Welcome to Nerd, a podcast where we geek out on a different nerdy subject every month. It's one part reminiscence, one part historical deep dive, all nerd. This month's subject, the 1987 TV special, A Muppet Family Christmas. This fantastic holiday special was a mashup of four of Jim Henson's amazing projects, Sesame Street, The Muppets, The Fraggles, and Muppet Babies. It's a love letter to all of them while also being a darn fine Christmas special. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and check it out on YouTube as any legitimate release is, sadly, going to be incomplete. Don't worry, we'll talk about why. Anyway, it's time to cozy up by the fire with a warm cup of cocoa, get in the holiday spirit, and start the show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to Nerd. Uh, this is I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Dre, how you doing, bud? Oh, doing good. Season two. Season two, Jeff. This is season two. Short seasons. This is one of those. It's like a pilot season. It's, uh, it's, half, it's half of a British. So, you know, like some weird conversion, you know, Brit, yeah. Brits do six episodes. Oh, series two then. Oh, we're series. doing the British style. But 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 it's American again, so we got to call it season. Okay, fair. So th- there you go. Yeah. You know what? This is what the episode is about. Just us talking about the slight differences between British and American television. For example, I didn't know this about the British people. You can put ugly people on TV. Hmm. Well, interesting. We're going to be talking the Muppet Family Christmas special. We, we glad, are. Glad we got there. And I, I would argue that was one nice part about this is the lead human character in that is is like an older man with a comb over. So I was I was here for it. It's Doc, baby. Yeah, Doc. we got we got Doc. That's that's how you know stuff was happening. Doc uh, made famous uh, from Fraggle Rock, the Absolutely. American version of Fraggle Rock, actually. And in Muppet Family Christmas, he introduces himself. So you are. Uh, I'm Jeff May. I'm not Doc. And, I, I'm Jeff and May. Did you, did you know May starts with an M? Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> and you are. I'm uh, Dre Alvarez. Dre starts with a D. Oh, it, it does. It does. That's what we call small talk. Where we yeah, come that from. That was that's an amazing joke. Oh, by it's the way, perfect, when I fun alphabetical thing, when I was when my son was a little younger, he was learning his alphabet. And he had like an alphabet book and he would point and say, you know, C is for cat or whatever. And he pointed at T and he said, T is for Trey. And I was like, No, I'm I'm Dre. D is for Dre. He was like, No, T is for Trey. And I was like, No, D. And then eventually I'm like, Guess I'm Trey now. So I was Trey for like three months when my, you were Trey. my son was like two. You yep. do not look like a Trey. Anyway. Kids will get you that way. Um, yeah, we're, I'm so excited. This is our, we're, we're our big holiday episode. Um, this uh, We're talking about Muppet Family Christmas. And I'm so excited that we get to do this. I, I love this special. I tweet every year a link to it saying this is your annual reminder that the Muppet Family Christmas is available on YouTube. And it is. It's available on YouTube. That's exciting. Um, so to the point in terms of the nerd show, season one was NES classics. Season two is going to be, I did, I was almost going to do holiday, but since we're going to spill over at least a month, I'm going to do um, television specials. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. And then what I really liked is your fans like you, Jeff. So this was a, a fan decision. We said, are we going to make Jeff watch Muppet Family Christmas, his favorite, favorite episode show? television series i don't know whatever you want to yeah. call it jeff or are we going to make him watch the he-man and she-ra christmas special now sorry you're still going to have to do it jeff um, <laughs> they, um yeah i pulled the trigger i was like no i wanted to, i wanted he-man yeah but your your fans like you jeff they, they voted for this overwhelmingly like they, two to I, one i think that the fans like the muppets i mean the, my fans like me but they also know i like he-man you know like i got he-man shit all, all around me here 
So I, I, I see that, but it's funny because I think, yeah, we did decide and we might as well just announce this on top that we are going to do an episode on the He-Man uh, holiday special, the He-Man and Shira um, Christmas special. But because, you know, we tried to do a thing where, you know, we'll release the free episode if we get to a certain number of patrons. We didn't hit that number yet. Well, we might. It's it's still possible. We, we very well could. But um, if we don't hit that number, then what we'll do is we'll just put it just on the Patreon. Yeah, we want to reward the people that actually like you that voted on this overwhelmingly. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. The people that said, Jeff, we are not going to torture you by making you watch a horrible <laughs> Christmas special. To thank them, we are going to make you watch a horrible Christmas special. And that's okay. I, I, you know what? That's all I want out of, that's all I want out of life really is just my fans to like me enough to want to torture me. Before and... we get going, can I plug a few more things about you? Because now that I didn't realize, Jeff, it is well known that you love Christmas. I do. And what is sure making do. my month is that this, you are going to record by my count. And if there's more, let me know at least four podcast episodes on Christmas specials. Yes. I think that, yeah, yeah. That's so dis my December will have at least four different episodes because I did the We Just Watched. Um, I had recorded the We Just Watched. And on Gamefully Guard Unemployed uh, Gamefully with unemployed. Dave. You guys are great. Yes. You did that on the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, mm -hmm. which it was amazing. Go listen to that right now. If you're not, I, I, you don't have to be a subscriber, but be a subscriber so they can get you and Dave doing more stuff together because yeah. I know the, the, you know, the, the hodgepodge of people jumping on different shows doesn't happen as much because you're all busy, but yeah. if you make some of the networks big enough, it can happen more. So well, you, you brought up that crossover, the crossovers that happened, uh, earlier, uh, sort of this time. And it was also a reminder that I was on creature feature with Katie golden as well. <laughs> um, who is, you know, who is a part of the sort of that cracked canon. Hi everybody. Dre here from the future. I kind of messed this up in show, but wanted to keep it in. Namely, uh, the week of November 28th, there was a lot of musical chairs in terms of your favorite podcasts, and I tweeted about it. So, for instance, Tom from Gamefully Unemployed wasn't on Gamefully Unemployed that week, but he was on Secretly Incredibly Fascinating uh, with David Bell. And Jeff May was not on Unpops, but then he also went on the Gamefully Unemployed show, which was what we were just talking about, as well as going on creature feature. Uh, we wrap this up a little more and I'll make sure to have links in the show notes. You can find that at substack.nerdnumbers.com. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a lot of it's too is, you know, cause like Tom was traveling at the time, you know, and obviously that some things, you know, the urgency of recording schedules doesn't always mix with travel. Doesn't always, you know, like for example, I, I wasn't involved in that unpopular opinion cause I was in Las Vegas at the time of recording. So like, obviously I'm not going to be there on that. Um, so yeah, it is funny that we all kind of, and, and what's great about it is we all, we all lift each other up. We make sure that, that nothing crashes, which I think is really great. And that was a great episode, you know, instead of doing a more contemporary movie, or I guess it is guardians is contemporary, but you did a Christmas special, you and Dave, a funny note is you, you kept the log line of the different types of nerd. I'm loving it. I think, I think, I don't think it originated on this show, but I know that's the discovery. Kind of yeah. One of the first places I, I've heard it more crystallized, but I know you've talked it, but I've now heard it come up on another couple of shows, at least on the nerd podcast, you kind of started bringing up the different types of nerds. And that's now been a, a topic that's come up on other shows, which I love. And the irony is you and Dave together, you're both like, yeah, we're literary nerds. We're not mechanical nerds. In dissecting the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, again, Gamefully Unemployed, go subscribe or at least listen to it. Tell them you want more, Jeff. Anyway. 
on that, you guys sounded so much like engineers. It was listening to two engineers talk about something. Story so engineers, just, just yeah. as an FYI. Yeah, it's the... It's just we'll, a different we'll see, style, we'll, yeah. We'll see if we get down this rabbit hole at some point, but the, the, the different nerd types, I don't think as much. I think there is this fake belief of like left brain, right brain, and a lot of it is just how you view things and then just what you happen to get into when you were young. Sure, that's good. And, and I think a lot of it too, and I've mentioned this before, where I was more of like, when it came to toys, I was more of like the chaotic like the He-Man and the G.I. Joe and the, the more like we're giving you this, whereas like the the Legos and the Transformer stuff, like I wasn't as big into. And, and I, I always view that as an interesting version of like, oh, because that's not the kind of nerd that I I was. I wasn't that technical nerd, um, which, you know, I, I liked more creating the world as opposed to like building the thing like and the I like theoretical though... building, I guess. There's a messed up line um, from some scientist that talks about humans is like, if you start stripping away enough of like the outer layer of a human, they mm -hmm. just become a robot. They're just a machine. Okay. And it's the same thing. You're, you're like, I wasn't really into like building Legos. I was into stories. And you're like, and I was into, you know, the different like story components in this. I'm like, you are describing Lego just in a different form. Well, yeah, sure. on that note, So interesting note, interesting connection to get us back. Yeah. Um, on my sixth Christmas. I got a really amazing Lego ship. I've actually bought it again since. Maybe I'll put it together before the next show. Oh, nice. I believe this show came out right near, like, after your sixth birthday, which we have established you hate Halloween because it's right by your birthday and it ruins that. You love Christmas. This this Christmas special, I believe, came out right near when you were six. Did you did you see it live? So um, this special came out, yeah. So this special came out December 16th, 1987. So I had just turned six years old. Um, did I see that? Uh, yes, I believe I did. And I That's believe, awesome. I believe it was packaged with the toy. Um, if I can remember. Oh, wait. So you actually, I thought this, this aired on television. Are you saying you actually got like a physical? You know, when I say packaged, I mean, it was Muppet family Christmas. And, uh, and then the toy was afterwards. And I don't know if you remember what are you, um, are you talking like the, the or the Christmas toy or something? I was it thinking was, the, of a horribly racist Richard Pryor movie, but is there a different toy you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, so I believe it might have <laughs> been called The Christmas Toy. Um, it was a Henson, uh, a Christmas Toy is a 1986 television film directed by Eric Till uh, and also produced by Jim Henson. It was essentially Toy Story. Um, oh, yeah. This this one. I I, I mean, this is showing we were talking cracked like. This has shown up in some cracked articles where it's like, oh, this is ripped off. Like if you look at a lot of the early Pixar movies. I'll be fair and say if you do enough difference in yeah. a baseline story, it's fine. And this idea of like, oh, you're ripping off a plot. It's like, well, how many like how many romantic comedies are like they're they're going to get together or they didn't get together. Mm -hmm. But 100% there is that when you're talking about this, this special that I believe you are, it is the one of like the toy that can't that comes to life when they're gone and like might permanently get turned. Yeah. And if the, something the, doesn't happen. So the Christmas toy uh, aired uh, a year prior, December 6, 1986. So that actually would track that you would do because Christmas specials are annual. They're they're like they they come back. I almost said perennial, and that would have been the dumbest possible thing I could have said because they are all annual. of your flower nerd listeners would have just unsubscribed immediately. Yeah. They would have said, "Jeff, this is not the botany we're here for." <laughs> so you would nice. have lost poison ivy, man. Poison oh. ivy would leave. Could you deal with that? I would never be able to handle that. So um, a year later. Um, de December 16th, 1987, they were like, all right, well, we've got the Christmas toy in there. So they packaged it as a sort of Muppet block, a two hour, essentially, because that it was uh, the Christmas toy was, I think, 
the running time was 50 minutes. So it would have been a two hour block of Henson Christmas specials. You start with Muppet Family Christmas and then you went with the toy, the Christmas toy or vice versa. I'm not. That is so, that is that is solid programming. That's good stuff. It, it is. And it makes sense. And it was sort of the height of the Muppets too, like the mid 80s. You know, Muppet Babies was a an incredibly popular cartoon. Uh, you know, Henson had Sesame Street going for over 20 years at that point in time or almost 20 years, right? I think it was around 69. Yeah. When we were looking stuff. So, so they were almost 20 years strong. The Muppets had already had several movies. Um, they were, and obviously the Muppet show. So this was a thing where like Henson was really cranking out a lot of really great stuff. They, they nailed it. Cause I mean, there's, there's a lot going on for this one. Yeah. Cause, uh, oh, it's, it's good. And it is a musical, which I think is, is interesting too. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you're talking Christmas specials and this does feel very, it's weird to call it modern because it's in the 80s, but for the time, very modern, while also being a huge throwback to like the classic movies with like just people singing. And you know, the good part about this, Jeff, is unlike some of those old Christmas specials, no one randomly shows up in blackface midway through. There are some cringe moments we'll talk, but I mean, this that to this point, it was it was a nostalgic throwback with a lot of early characters and an amazing crossover of, of three, as you're pointing out at the time, juggernaut IPs. Four, technically. Oh, what's the fourth? Muppet Babies. Oh, yeah. Well, I was curious about Yeah, and I, I actually did look that up because Muppet Babies came out before. I didn't realize they'd already been out. I know, I think, in what the Muppets Take Manhattan. I think that's where well, like, Muppets was Take Manhattan was a sort of they did a little flashback thing, but it wasn't the Muppet Babies that we really know of. But it was this idea of like, oh, we could actually do that as a show. Um, and that, that turned into a cartoon show, which had, a again, there was because of the good relationship between George Lucas, Jim Henson, and everybody like that. That was a kid show that would randomly, very ahead of its time, ironically, probably molded a lot of us because I watched right. that like religiously when I was a kid. You know, they'd be playing an adventure and they'd randomly like pretend they were in Star Wars, which is fine. But then they'd have the actual like Star Wars oh, image, which was yeah. amazing. Oh, well, in, in the in the credits, there's a TIE fighter. I remember because, you know, it's, it's like, oh, you yeah. know, when you rule, it's kind of weird and you wish that you were there. Just close your eyes. And I can't I don't do the piggy song with it, but it's like, I was going to let you go as long as you were able to leave <laughs> and you can be anywhere. Like, I remember that. And there, there was all. Yeah, they would all do all these like uh, movie references. So there would be a lot of Lucasfilm references, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, etc. But so at first. When I when I was selling this, selling you on this, and I explained it to you, and I was like, "Look, this is the synthesis. It's it's the end game of the Muppets universe, essentially, where it's like you have the Muppets, you have Sesame Street, and you have the Fraggles from Fraggle Rock, all groups that never really interacted, aside from the fact that Kermit used to be on Sesame Street. Um, th they were they were different chunks of the same universe. They never really met." But then I, and I was like, oh, and they also do like a flashback Muppet things like in the, which Muppet, uh, the Muppets take Manhattan. And then I looked at it again upon rewatching it recently and saw that they were wearing the outfits from the Muppet Babies cartoon. And that's what reminded me that, oh no, they put all four of these in because it wasn't just a Muppets, uh, a Muppets take Manhattan version of a flashback. It was literally, these are the Muppet Babies, but we can't. We're not going to put animation in this. So like Gonzo's wearing his little red overall onesie with the chicken on it that he wore only in that cartoon. And let's talk about how that comes up. I would throw this out. If you haven't seen this, it's 
40 minutes, a little over 40 minutes. Yeah. It's free. On, there are multiple copies that are free on YouTube. My suggestion would be to watch the ones that have commercials in them. Oh, interesting. I did not. The advertising guy says that. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway. I, I Yeah. Right. But, but it, it is one of those things where I think the benefit is that if you're watching an old Christmas special that's from TV, the of the moment advertising of what would be happening there, I think is is culturally significant. I think it's historically significant. I know that you're like, of course you think that, but the Christmas toy was sponsored by Kraft Foods. And so like, it's interesting to see like what the advertising would have been at that time. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's, it's done more well. That's a very funny part of being a parent now and kind of laughing at quote, the algorithms and stuff. So yeah. like I, I had to opt out of normal YouTube with a kid, like the ads first, the ads were just obnoxious to begin with, but they're bad as in as much as computer programmers are like, oh, we're going to optimize everything and perfect everything. And if you bristle and say, no, you're not, you're probably right. I will get amused that I'll be watching, say, Puppy Pals with my son, and they will do an advertisement for Grammarly, which I already have a license to, by the way, too. It's like, hmm. how Ooh, on look earth? at this guy. Yeah, you got to. It's like, how on earth does anybody think this makes any sense to advertise this to a kid? Like the ads are just bad. Whereas you're pointing out, yeah, if you know you've got kids that are interested in the Muppets near Christmas time, I mean that that was fish in the barrel, and there were there were some good ads back then. I'm I'm getting a lot of uh, I'm getting a lot of St. Jude's commercials, a lot of a lot of sick kids coming to my YouTube. I'm like, look, are, man, are you I'm the trying sick to watch... kid, or they or do they want you to help? I'm like, I'm just trying to watch a documentary about Super I, Mario Three. Like, what are I you? I can't. I was in, you know, obviously a, a swing state, and over the last couple of elections, I've been really glad to be out of the YouTube one because just the political ads got really nuts and. Admittedly, it was for a kid, but I didn't I didn't have ads on my YouTube because of that. All right, though. Sorry, Jeff. Fourth time is a charm. Let's talk about the actual show. So the Muppet Family Christmas, the first premise is that the Muppets are on the road heading to Fozzie Bear's mom to celebrate Christmas. Mm -hmm. now, now, Jeff, I'm actually going to stop us before we get going. This is the most absurd thing ever. And if this was a, and I'm curious, like you've got a Boston mom. Is she nice? If you showed up at in like, Northeast, because that's a common thing we have, Midwest versus yeah. Northeast. So I'm from the Midwest, you're from the Northeast. Midwest, you might be able to get away with this crap, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Midwest nature of Fozzie Bear's mom. Show up with a group of your friends randomly at someone's house and say, hey, we're staying for Christmas. When My mom would fucking love that, and but she would also talk about it for 15 years, about how great of a person she is for doing that. Ooh, okay. That's oh, is your is your, does your mom have any Midwest in her, or is that just like a shit? No, my mom, my them? mom likes being my mom likes being the focal point. My mom, my mom is as much as she loves she. My mom's very loving. She's also very like she does crave that sort of attention and praise. Which I I'm like, bro, like <laughs> look what I do for a living. Like I live for attention and praise. Like the money just keeps it so that I can keep this addiction going. So, um, but my mom would definitely be like, oh, like, you know, the more the merrier. My mom loved, she'd be like, bring more people. And then in the to preparation, she'd be annoyed and be like, well, I have to cook for all these people. And I'm like, it got to the point where I started to like, I, I, I've said this to her several times where like, she'll start getting like freaked out and stuff. And I'm like, mom, you can't get mad if you're volunteering for this. Like. I, I kind of want a remake of Muppet Family Christmas, but now with Jeff as the Fozzie character, that would be good. Make it happen, Hollywood. <laughs> so, <laughs> His mother's name's Emily, by the way. It's such a weird name for like a, a like a 
grandma age bear in my and opinion. i believe this has come up before but she says waka waka too and so it's kind yeah. of just like a given that waka waka is like a, a fozzy thing apparently like family anyway but so fozzy is driving all of the muppets to see his mom and kermit at least has the the thinking to say hey is this a good idea and fozzy goes it's fine but we discover good writing writing 101 yeah. that emily has actually planned a trip to malibu and as a result that means she's not going to be in the house. And so she has yeah. planned to rent out the house to two people that are just looking to get away for a nice, quiet Christmas. And that is Doc and Sprocket from Fraggle Rock. Yeah. And what's funny, too. Yeah, she's airbnb her house um, and she's going to Malibu. One of the things that now that I live out here, it is like 57 degrees uh, in Malibu. Like it is cold on Christmas. It is not it is not a beach time. So actually, so maybe, man, you're, you're, you're doing some nice retconning here to say that because the, what ends up happening, of course, is so Doc and Sprocket show up. Emily is there. It is weird to call her Emily, but I'm going to keep doing it. I like it, Jeff. Yeah. All the Muppets show up and, you know, basically they do the one out to say, hey, you know, if you don't want to, you can. She says, no, it's fine. This is really good writing that shows it, which is. You could buy both Emily or Doc if it was just either one of them. So if they had just shown up and just Doc was there, or they had shown up and just Emily was there, maybe they do get kicked to the curb. But what happened is they show up, Emily lets them stay, Doc starts to complain, and then the, she, the she shoots back at Doc and says, no, like, you you think you're upset, so you've got, like, it's funny because Doc and Emily cancel each other out on the logic of why you wouldn't just kick these people away. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Like, and also, like, there's a bl there's an impending blizzard, and she's like, "I'm not." Well, that well, that comes blizzard. later, and but yeah, we'll see that. But yeah, I was going to say, just from a story writing perspective, because the whole premise of this is just let's get a bunch of people together to sing songs, but they go through the effort of writing it well, which I think is really important. And it actually was up for uh, an Emmy, I believe, for writing. So and it might even have won it won a Writers Guild award. I think, yeah. Um, it, des it deserves it because I was going to say that this was much better written than it had any right being for just being like a bunch of puppets get together to say it. It is very good. It it lost the um because I lost I know the I Emmy to the Secret Garden. I saw that, and uh, yeah, whatever that that's fine. Yeah, yeah, people okay. seem to really like it. Yeah, whatever because it's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, Secret Garden. Everybody, yeah, everybody's still talking about it. I remember my yeah. mom made me watch it, and I was like, I hate this. Okay, sorry, brief tangent on that. I went to see a stage showing of The Secret Garden when I was in middle school, and the best part happened, which was one of the actors comes out and completely forgets a line and just left. So he comes out, he goes, oh, no. And it, this wasn't like an amazing production. It's what a bunch of middle schoolers are seeing on a field trip. So, you know, yeah. you can get what you get. But it was just, it actually made that show better because he like came out, said, oh no, and left. The other actors are trying to improv, not doing it well for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And then he showed back up with the line. So that version of The Secret Garden, very good. As a whole, not a huge fan. But anyway, let's uh, let's keep going. So Sprocket, Emily are there kind of upset, but kind of just accepting if the Muppets are going to come in. Then Kermit uh, gets a call from Miss Piggy who says, sorry, she's going to be late. She's doing a photo shoot. It's a very awkward photo shoot i would argue with she's like yeah noises. she's yeah because miss piggy like in this world she's a celebrity right which is it's very interesting to me that it's like a showbiz world that they work in you know with the muppet show and everything I, I always find that really interesting and then yeah i don't i this doesn't sound like this was a professionally sanctioned photo shoot but we'll we'll leave that alone that's enough on that there next part that comes up so other other uh 
other chef in the kitchen, so to speak, is the Swedish chef shows up and says, hey, he's here to cook Christmas dinner. Yeah, he's awesome. Do you remember his he cereal? Showed, he had a cereal? Called Crunchy Stars. Was it, a, are you saying, was this legitimately released or was this yes. just on the show? Yes. Did you ever buy it? How was it? Was it, was it the classic, right? They just do the... Like, it was uh, pretty boring. Yeah, it was like a it was like a star shaped, uh, slightly more sweetened, like kicks or something like that, if I remember correctly. Because um, I was going to say the classic like themed cereals tend to be the um, Lucky Charms, where you just change the shapes up. Right? Yeah, you change the shape of a marshmallow and you put uh, or, or or like with Ninja Turtles, it was just checks and they said Crunchy Ninja Nets. Oh yeah, I remember they had marshmallows; those were good. But I mean, yeah. who doesn't love marshmallows in their breakfast? in their mushy? Uh, checks funny um side note about the swedish chef little trivia only muppet with people hands it was funny because uh we'll we'll talk a little bit we'll, when we get to that part we'll talk about how it's kind of like very horror scene-ish and i was like man he's he's this is very awkward and weird and you're like by the way also the chef's the only one with human hands i was like you you just made it weirder jeff yeah and he has, if you look if you look at the swedish chef he has people hands and the reason he does is obvious that he holds a knife and you want somebody with people i mean i'm sure all of our listeners are aware of this but let's let's fill in if not like the cool part of the swedish chef is i i forget who did what but it was henson and oz doing it together yeah because somebody does the mouth while somebody does the two hands i believe yeah and the fun you know they messed with each other so whoever was doing the two hands would kind of mess around so to make it extra fun so like the head was not aware of what the hands were doing so the chef seems like unhinged and just talking crazy and it's true because randomly the chef would just throw everything out and like, yeah, the mouth has to react in, in real time. And it's funny because you would immediately think like, oh, like it would be plastic or rubber, but I think they're just dull metal knives. And I think the reason they do that is to save on Foley, um, that it's a lot easier to make like the clang clang sounds than to like put them in or whatever. Like it, it almost seems like just easier to do it that way, I guess. But yeah, so, they, they look like very obviously metal knives. So you're saying they would rather just use the sound of those knives going than pay someone to come in and ADR it after the fact? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on that. But that that is something that I remember. Anyway, so the Swedish chef comes in. Uh, one of the things that is important to add is uh, the the, um, the the joke, like the, the, the ongoing joke of the episode, which is the icy patch. Oh, yeah. Very early in the, the episode, um, Emily tells everybody there's an icy patch. And this, again, this is just good writing because it's introduced early and it is used repeatedly both for humor or yeah. for plot reasons as in Fozzie Bear wants to talk to Kermit but he slips on the icy patch so goes by Kermit that's yeah. why they don't talk it's it's just yeah again I, there's, I, I yeah there's an icy patch right before the threshold walking into the house so everybody that enters for the most part slips and falls and it's very funny except I think Doc and uh because I uh and then I think maybe the Sesame Street characters well, Doc, because we hear it, and actually yeah. the Sesame Street character's funny note on that, I seem to recall, I think when they show up right after they're done caroling, she's, she's like, anybody can come in, and all of the penguins, I think, rush in first. So yeah. actually to that note, a bunch of pay, and then it looks like they slide, so they slide across the icy oh, patch yeah, into the that's house. Cool. And, I, and I, that's also what's great about this, because we'll get to more of this, is like, just there's so much in this that even if you're a fan of all this, you might not notice. My favorite that I'll just throw out early is you were like, Kermit ends up dressed like a riverboat gambler at the end. He dressed like a true. like a riverboat casino blackjack uh, dealer. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll get to that at the end. Okay, so we do get our first uh, our first song here after all of that, which is just Jingle Bells, which has a nice transition, which is Robin and Kermit start singing it, 
and then after Kermit gets kind of upset that Miss Piggy is going to be late. And then the, the, uh, what's, what's the name of the band? Uh, the, uh, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Yes. And then of course you had to give a shout out. Isn't a uh, Stephen Wright, you gave a shout out because the saxophone player in that band looks like Stephen Wright. Isn't he a Boston comic? Yes. Uh, I think his name is Zoot the Muppet. Uh, is that what his name is? Yeah. His name is Zoot and he looks like Stephen Wright. He's like balding with the long hair and a saxophone. Uh, and I always found it interesting, but yeah, so, um, we mentioned, I'm sure we mentioned that we need a little Christmas is the song that opens as they're all we driving. We didn't actually apologize. So, so we'll oh, get man. that. Off um, the ball. And if we are uh, dealing with the song, it's a strong way to start. It's great. It's the whole Muppet squad singing. We need a little Christmas together, driving in a pickup crammed in together. Winnebago. Uh, or it's in a Winnie. That's right. So then uh, Robin starts singing Jingle Bells and it that part sucks. Robin sucks. Uh, I was okay. We, we got to take, we got to take this off it, yeah. again too. Uh, Robin he very much seems like a, a Wesley Crusher character. A scrappy he's, su yeah. he's supposed to be there for like the young kids to like. And the funny thing is like the cutoff for that being acceptable is apparently age six. Cause I would say I, I was never a fan of Robin. And so like, I watch this and I'm like, Robin sucks. And then I kind of go, well, you're an adult. This is for kids. But even for kids, I would say like by age six, you're like, I'm like done Robin. with this. Robin, no well, well, here's the thing is like, it's when you're a kid, you're just going to relate to Muppets anyway, because they're Muppets. <laughs> like you don't need it's So it is like the scrappy dude. Like you don't need to add a, a smaller, a, a child character into this. It's already for me. I get like, it, it's already there. Um, But Robin, he's like, jingle bells, jingle bells. Oh my you're God. Like, we got Robin in the studio here, Jeff. How'd you pull that? Hey, Uncle Kermit <laughs> brought me in here to ruin the show. Uh, and then they sing Jingle Bell Rock. Um, it's it's fine. It, it's, but in it's, some ways, I would argue because they started it so weak that you are just so happy for a better version that that yeah. maybe they played that they're like, they're like, this is pretty rote at this point. This is a pretty well worn song at this point. So yeah. like, but if we start it with Robin doing it terribly, then when we introduce, they do Jingle Bell Rock to start. Yeah, and it, it is definitely one of those things where you're like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> like it's 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 a very quick it's a quick little musical interstitial to lead to the next part. But I mean, this show knows what it is. This show this is yeah. just a bunch of people interacting together doing songs and it does perfectly. All the Muppets are partying together singing a classic Christmas song. I mean, for Muppet Family Christmas, you, you know, mission accomplished, check that box. Next scene is actually pretty good and I think is also going to lead us on another tangent uh, about Fozzie Bear. So Fozzie Bear's outside. While Fozzie's outside, this does like the classic thing where Rolf shows up, slips, starts playing on the piano, starts playing Sleigh Ride, well, and then he, of course, also, he also talks to Sprocket. Oh yeah, that was, that was, was so, kind of cute. So it's okay. So it's like Fozzie's building a snowman. Rolf shows up. And he's like, "Oh, Rolf, you made it!" You know, and and Rolf's like, "Oh," and he goes in, slips, falls down, meets Sprocket, and. Sprocket's like, woo, 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 woo. he goes, milk, milk, milk. And, I, uh, I, I love that interaction of Rolf being a dog, interacting with it. That's a common theme in a lot of the Muppet shows, uh, like it's a lot of the live action. And you'll have like a real dog, but Rolf will talk to them barking, but it's the most human. It's just a human yeah. saying bark. It's, it's like hearing me speak French. And you're like, I know you're not natural to it, but I I'm, I'm at least appreciate that you know the words. Um, so, and then. Yeah. And, right. he, and then Doc looks at him, he's like, 
Don't you hate when you can't under when you don't speak the language? Because he's like, you he don't know what they're talking about. To be, to be fair, okay, let's let's take a brief tangent. So that's we're gonna preempt the other fuzzy tangent with a doc tangent. A recurring theme of Fraggle Rock is that Sprocket is trying to tell Doc about the Fraggles, yeah. implying that Doc and Sprocket have a Han Solo chewy relationship. So that's we can't fair. understand Sprocket, but Doc can. So then this implies yeah it's it's kind of like lassie where it's like i know you're trying to tell me something and i'm trying to intuit what you're saying but i don't speak the actual words that you say but i'm just saying in in muppet fraggle um you know sesame lore. street lore which we are now we are now confirmed this is canon the same yeah. universe this is the henson cinematic universe yeah exactly what we are confirming here is that doc and sprocket speak like a third language that isn't dog or human together Potentially. That's verified. Yeah. That's verified. That, that's in it. I mean, yeah. he even says to Sprocket, he's like, are these like the Fraggles you're always trying to tell me about? So. Oh, no. yeah. No, I guess that's. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's, <laughs> or it's a continuity error. Get your shit together, Henson. Yeah. Well, we'll actually, that's, that's rough because he, he, I did not realize how close to this he died. So he died in 90. Like this three, came out in 87. Yeah, three years later, right? So it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's so wild not realizing it at the time, just how much he did how fast like and how young he was when he left because yeah, i it, in my dying. mind he was a little older when he passed but that's it but that's because right, you well, were you were nine when it happened or whatever like <laughs> yeah i was super young. yeah all right sorry sorry to bring the downer on the otherwise happy show but so they're singing sleigh ride outside Fozzie is building a snowman classic trope snowman comes to life and he and Fozzie are a really hilarious comedic they're, duo they're a vaudeville duo like they, they start doing vaudevillian comedy. It's very interesting that they're like, they're going back and forth while there's piano music playing that it is an absolute, it's an absolute throwback to vaudeville, which I think was an interesting thing because again, one of the things we forget about is that this is a 35 year old special, right? This came out 35 years ago. Um, but vaudeville we're talking about it now. Vaudeville wasn't that far off from then. So like it, it was something that people would would remember. Yeah, in, the in older style. And it, but it killed like even Doc and Sprocket are laughing at it. If I recall, all the other farm animals are laughing at it. It's playing really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, is, they're working well. And here, here's the throwback I'll give actually is uh, like Mike Birbiglia. I got to actually see him workshop this joke where he does a joke about opening for the Muppets and inadvertently cursing. And what Mike Birbiglia notes is he he came at, he goes up after Fozzie Bear and he's like, I know the running joke of the Muppet show is Fozzie Bear's a bad comic. He's not really that bad. Like, <laughs> and this this is actually pretty amusing. And we'll get to maybe why Fozzie doesn't always go over well in, in the very near future. Yeah, it, it, but it is very it's a very great it's a great bit where they're they're singing it together. Everyone's really buying into it. Um but the idea is that this is obviously this can never last because he's going to die. That there was, I, I again, throwing back to kids books. My kid has like a snowman book and there's one where like, you know, that, that is like just a well-known story yeah. of just like kid builds the snowman and in the snowman book, it's like, and then the snowman melted. It wasn't like any, even any fr frosty gives like the bittersweet. He has to go, but don't worry. I'll be back next year. And this one is like, and the kid loved the snowman and the snowman eventually melted. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're like, you know, flies. It's just like, I got a short lifespan. I don't know what to tell you. 
Um, it's also very funny to me because I know this isn't the point of what they're doing because it's just a Christmas special, but I really like the idea that Muppets believe in Christ. Like, I, I think it's really funny to me. I don't know why, but like there are parts where they sing very religious Christmas songs. And oh, the I'm medley just, at the end, 100%. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh, so they believe, is it like a Muppet Christ or is it like the human Christ? Because they live in the world where like, you know, they live in a world of humans. But it's so okay, it's yeah. like, the, so like do they do... worship Christ? Are they Christian Muppets? I find that very interesting to me. We'll get to this in a bit or even now. A common thing that comes up is the single human amidst a bunch of Muppets. And it occurs yeah. to me this 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 fulfills that. Doc, a really good actor yeah. playing it straight in the middle of a bunch of Muppets is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we've had that happen three times now, right? This Christmas Carol, which we like discussed for half a second when I misunderstood if that's what you were asking to do this show on. And we're like, not just really good. And then of course, Muppet Treasure Island with Tim Curry. Yeah. So this just like I'm just having the one I'm having a really a charismatic actor play their role as if it's a real role mm -hmm. amidst a bunch of Muppets who are doing their zany stuff. It works really well. It's, well, it's, they did it's, that with um, the Muppets Wizard of Oz as well. Wait, there's is that a made for TV only? Um, I believe it was because um, when I was looking yeah. up like the the, the theatrical releases, because that's an interesting part about Henson is. For all success, the one area he seemed to fall is if he tried to do non-Muppet related live release movies, that's where he seemed they, to struggle. They didn't that, do that well, but, but they've also had extremely great cult followings. You know, you can't, like the Dark Crystal was a box office bomb that certainly made its money back in big ways. Um, Labyrinth is the same way. Well, what I would say about both of those, and you kind of made this comment about Mega Man, the original Mega Man box art in the last show is... Those movies were not kid movies and they had no business in like any kid's bedroom, but like for adults, they were these amazing weird art that you just couldn't like yeah. David Bowie in, in Labyrinth is like, just, it's one of the most bizarre, amazing performances. So it's like one of these, like, these weren't made for kids. It's like, well, you made these kid movies, not for kids. And shockingly, they didn't make money, yeah. but then when those kids became adults, they still liked it, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the Muppet Wizard of Oz was a TV a made for TV yeah, 2005 that was then uh, released on DVD. And the reason I remember it being released on DVD is because I was working at Toys R Us during the holidays when it was released on DVD. Um, directed by Kirk Thatcher, who uh, you might know as the director of the Muppets Haunted Mansion very recently. Also, he was the um, mean axe wielding vampire or monster killer. If you watched um, Werewolf by Night. And he's also I've not, I've not seen. Yeah. He's also the uh, bus mohawk punk from Star Trek Four, I believe. Oh, like yeah, with the with the wait with the whales, Jeff. Yeah, Kirk with, Thatcher with is a the whales. He's fascinating. He's a really interesting guy. So I was interesting to see that he had directed uh, Muppets Wizard of Oz, but Dorothy was played by Ashanti, and there are certainly uh, there are certainly humans in it. Quentin Tarantino plays himself in it. Which is mm. very interesting, um, but I think when she travel when she travels to Oz, it becomes uh, all Muppets. All right, okay. Let's see. Uh, Sorry so for the side quest yeah, there. No, I want. I want that. That's that's the rough part. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll get through it. And by the way, I mean that we're showing like there is so much in this special to talk that we're gonna have lots of little oh, yeah. side quests along the way. All right. So anyway, Kermit calls uh, Miss Piggy back, and she's doing some last second shopping. I got a question for you here. Yeah. So one of the things she sees while shopping is fuzzy slippers, fuzzy frog slippers. 
Do you think those are synthetic or do you think that she bought Kermit like flocked fro frog slippers from another frog for? I think she would understand that that's tasteless. Like, like Piggy's clueless on occasion, but I don't, I think she's not, oh, that. She's not well, clueless I, when it I comes to fashion. I disagree on that because end of the show where I was going to get to this early, Kermit gives Piggy a person basically. Yeah. She get like an emotional slave. Yeah. He gives her a mink. And so the, now that this is messed up on many fronts because he says, I'm going to give you a mink and she's excited thinking it's the coat. She makes the implication that in this universe, you kill mink for coat and Miss Piggy accepts that as tasteful fashion. But then when Kermit gives it to her, it's just a person, a sentient person. And Miss Piggy rightfully is like, what the hell is this? But then the mink's like, I love you. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. And I've she's seen like, all yeah. your movies. And, I'm, and I'm like, there is a word for that. And the color of the mink makes this extra uncomfortable. It was a decent pun. I don't know if it was worth it. So to, to your point where you're like, I don't know if the Muppets would give a messed up gift like that. I'm like, Kermit gives Miss Piggy a person. Yeah. And he's supposed to be the like the more sane one in center, that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is very interesting that she that she certainly does uh make that make that purchase but yeah it's sort of like buying people those slippers that look like feet yeah well we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll hope they're synthetic in this universe all right so anyway um swedish chef by the way we, we now have kind of a cat and mouse because the the turkey shows up is told by gonzo you should leave because you're going to die which again in this universe everything is sentient but then also we keep up the same rules of killing yeah. things for either fur coats like mink or dinner like turkeys. Uh, I would also like to add that this turkey is kind of an asshole. And also he clearly does cocaine. Like that's, I've never seen a turkey, a, a Muppet look like they're on that much coke. Uh, he shows up, he's wearing like, he's wearing sunglasses and he's got like kind of a beret on uh, and he's like really cocky and a little rude. He he tries to he tries to bang Gonzo's chicken girlfriend in front of. He tries to cuck Gonzo basically, um, which is very funny to me. Uh, watching that and and just and Gonzo's like, "What are you doing?" And Camilla is into it. Uh, it's it's a whole it's wild that part. So that happens briefly after. So what happens is the turkey has told the Swedish chef that Sprocket is a turkey. The Swedish chef is apparently stupid, which is nothing new. And Doc is saying, you can't kill my turkey. You can't kill my dog. He's not the turkey. The turkey's the turkey that he calls Swedish chef, you turkey. Again, great writing. Uh, and then we see the turkey. It's, it's, it's interesting because you could go two ways. You could say he's flirting with Camilla or being way too familiar. He's fondling it's, her. It's, it is awkward. That was an hour of, of this. Basically, that and the mink were the two parts of like watching this where I was like, this is uncomfortable to watch. And you remember it's mid eighties and the mid eighties has it's, you know, there are many a cracked article about the standard, like mainstream movies in the eighties. So we don't, we don't need to add too much to that discourse beyond eighties were a wild time. Gonzo and the Turkey are about to come to blows over Camilla. Um, actually I thought this happened before, but I guess then they do. Oh, actually no. So the, 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 the synopsis is messing us up a little. So the Turkey sees Camilla and like starts commenting on her. Then we get an interstitial where, as you noted, the Muppet babies show up in Ernst. Yeah. So they actually watch so, an old. Yeah, they find an old, like an old eight millimeter reel or something like that or or whatever uh, of them. And they are in their Muppet babies outfits. Kermit's wearing his little sailor shirt or whatever it was, um, which is so that that is the nod to like this is definitely canonically the cartoon version of Muppet babies that we know. And then in a nice break the fourth wall moment at the end of the, the movie, uh, animal 
does something silly and they say, oh, animal. And then animal breaks through the screen and they all say, oh, animal. Again, yeah. just top, top notch writing. Um, right after some that. Things this, never changed, man. No, you've got, you've got some good Muppet voices. All right. So then this is what I was talking about, where the turkey is fondling the chicken and Gonzo's yeah. about to fight it. And it's just all sorts of weirdness. And they're about to come to blows. But then who should appear but the Sesame Street gang singing carols? Now, this is where, yeah, because they, they, they start, here we come, a caroling, and, you know, and it's Deck the Halls. Now, they do, here we come, a caroling, followed by Deck the Halls. Now, what's important about this, and, and I think is the real crux of this thing, because if it was just the Muppet Family Christmas and it was just the, what we had seen the crew before, it would have been perfectly fine. But this is where it amps, it amps the special up to, like, S-tier stuff, because now... They did a perfect job of saying, how would these different characters interact? Who would match up with whom? Who would interact really well? Who would be oil and water? What would be really funny with? The amount of effort that they put into the interpersonal relationships between Muppets and Sesame Street Gang is incredible. Um, go ahead. And I was going to say, and even the caroling itself, like one, they keep all the characters in character. Go, not Gonzo. Uh, Oscar refuses to sing. Um, but yeah, they show up and that stops that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, they, we, we see them all and it's as we're going to sort of interact with them and you'll see like which Muppet and Sesame street characters pair up, which I think is very fun. Like who are the equivalents of each one? It's a lot like when like Marvel and DC would have a crossover and you're like, okay, well, you know, it would be Superman and the Hulk and Captain America and Batman. And it would like, they would go through the list of like, who would we, you know, Storm and Wonder Woman go. Uh, and like, who matches up with whom? And I find that really interesting that like when it's not like, I don't know if it's difficult, but I find it fascinating that they pulled it off. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean to be fair, it is the, the writers who know it and have done these characters. So it's not shocking. But again, I think just a running theme that I keep bringing up is just like, this was way more better written than it had any need to be. Yeah. And it, it, it was a delight. I mean, this was just good, but I'm also glad that it's good in such a weird way. There is a bunch to talk about. Yeah. Unlike Muppet Christmas Carol, we'd be like, yeah, Michael Caine's pretty good. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the Muppet Christmas Carol is, is really great and it's a great movie. I, I love it so much. This I like a little bit more only because maybe it, something I watched as a kid when Muppet Christmas Carol came out, I was what, like 13, 12 or 13 years old. It, it just hit a little bit differently. I wasn't the child that I, when I saw it. And also this, again, it, it is that end game version of, of the Muppet universe. Yeah, that is, I mean, that is again, depressingly true. I mean, you can really view this as the kind of the end of Jim Henson's reign of that. Well, the, anything you see after that really is other people putting it together because he Personal was trying legacies, to do other things at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyway, this is the fun part. So finally, the turkey loses to the chef, but has one last out, which is he points out, holy cow, there's Big Bird. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I got to agree with that. That That's a that's a good pull and it works and it sets up, uh, I'll, I'll note in a bit, a very interesting horror slash comedy. Like the exact same scene can be played for horror if you believe the person is menacing or comedy if you believe they are not. Yeah. We get another nice pun coming, which is we now hear there's a terrible blizzard coming. So again, Perfect writing in the sense that all of these people have to, the, the, the goal when you are writing this is how are we going to have all of these characters in front of a warm fire to close the night? Yeah. And that means they all have to be in the house together. And you can maybe buy that Fozzie's going to let her son and his friends stay. 
No, but I'm all of these random carolers, if they try and stay the night, well, why? Well, if they're all stuck there because they're stuck in a blizzard and the same kind of thing. So now you've got like Doc and the Sesame Street characters as a reason to hear. We get the weather report with the uh, Sesame Street weatherman who makes a classic Sesame Street yeah. joke where he says barometers are falling and gets hit in the head with a bunch of barometers. Yeah. Barometers are falling sharply. And then they all fall on him and he's <laughs> such good shows. And then Count starts counting uh, Sesame Street, and then Kermit is worried about... Actually, this is funny. I think Kermit gets worried about Miss Piggy next to Robin, and Mister and uh, the Count says, two worried frogs, which was yeah. just kiss. Two worried frogs! Yeah, it, it really is like one of those things when you add these ingredients, because all these people, they've been doing Muppets, or they've been doing Sesame Street, or they've been doing Fraggles, and now you're like, and we're going to introduce these new characters. Like, that must have been so fun to be like, who can we interject into this moment to add levity? And we see it, we see it several times of people that match up really well, that it's very funny. Right. And then the next part that's really hilarious is we get a nightmare before, nightmare, yes, they reenact the nightmare before Christmas, 12 years ahead of time. Jeff, that's what happens. They them. reenact night before Christmas, the, the Muppet or the. The Sesame Street crew has been practicing. They've been rehearsing this. Yeah. And decides to put on a night before Christmas for everybody to watch. This is kind of some of the interactions you're you're saying. Yeah. Like the bears are trying to figure out who's going to sleep where. And then so Oscar is like, I'm fine in my can. And then Rizzo has a little backpack and he's like, hey, man, can I get in there? And he's like, well, I've never had a rat in my can before. Yeah, get in here. And then, yeah, yeah, you, as you said, Janice, Janice is doing like baking cookies. They and, baked cookies, and, everybody. And then and Cookie then, Monster loses his mind. And then Animal looks, he's like, I like his style. Exactly. And then we get Ernie and Bert coming out to narrate it. This was one of those points where you, I, I could normally have viewed it a little weird. This is classic because the, one of the jokes is supposed to be that Bert is dressed as the mother. But yeah. for whatever reason, just the Ernie and Bert relationship always plays. Seems like they really like each other, goes well. Yeah. A plus to Grover, who comes out as the mouse with a with a stirring bowl mm -hmm. with a with a spoon in it that he is not touching because he is not stirring. As you can see, my hand is not touching the spoon. There is no stirring. I was gonna say, it's like you get A plus on most most of your voices, and I'll give you an A for that voice. But that was definitely Yoda, man. Sorry. Yeah, it was not. Well, I mean, aren't they the same guy? It might be that, but it's not the same wasn't character. that Frank Oz? It was probably Frank Oz, but I'll just say that like. I never listened to Grover and was like, yeah. nah, that's, that's no, yeah. I, I, sorry, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to nail them all. The higher ones are going to be tougher. You've done me. really, I've been really impressed with the number of eighties that you've done. You have a killer Skeletor. So we get to the He-Man Christmas <laughs> special. Just don't kill your voice doing that. Yeah. End of the show is, um, the two headed monster is Santa. And this was, what's fascinating about this just to realize the change in time. Elmo makes an appearance in this, but he wasn't Elmo yet. So he is just a background monster yeah. as one of the sleigh, as one of the reindeer to Santa at the end. And then, uh, you know, Sam the Eagle yeah. says it's nothing. Actually, Sam the Eagle is great because at the very beginning, he actually says, why am I here? Which is just perfect yeah. character. At the end, he says, it's nothing sacred when Santa is played by yeah. a two-headed monster. Sam Eagle is the equivalent of like a Fox News host that exists yeah, in that universe he is he and they always use him as that he is he's a jingoistic conservative muppet which i find fascinating uh you know he's he's a great his utilization is fantastic and i i actually really like the character because of that um the two-headed monster appearing as santa claus is very fascinating because everybody it it i'm going to say this as diplomatically as i possibly can 
Sesame Street is very, it's very big about inclusion. And so everybody is a bit confused as to why you brought a gibberish talking. The way that the character speaks, it's almost like that character is disabled in some way. Uh, they, you know, it's, it's gibberish. It's kind of like, I don't know how to say it without sounding ableist, but the way that the two headed monster talks with itself, it is, it is very, is in need of assistance. Yeah. And so, and they're like, why would you let them play Santa? Why would you let him, I mean, them play Santa? And they were like, they said they wanted to. And so we let them. And it really is a great example of like, yeah, like nothing, nothing hurts us if we allow ourselves to be more inclusive and to allow people that you wouldn't expect to do this thing to do this thing. Whether your Santa is a white guy on a Coca-Cola painting in a magazine advertisement, or if it's, you know, a black Santa, or if it's a special needs two headed monster Muppet, like that was a good moment for me of seeing the Sesame street gang address the inclusion and the inclusiveness that they like to participate in. Uh, they very much bring their very positive ideals to a group of Muppets that aren't always, you know, the Muppets themselves are a more adult form of entertainment. So I'm, I'm laughing watching you like stumble over just a very good point, which is just the Muppets say anybody can be Santa and did a really good job of just well, doing it and nailed it in like three seconds. But did you, did, are, are you happy with that or, or did you? Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like it. But it's not just that. It's that the Muppets, the Muppets are, are generally oftentimes cynical. They mean well, but there's a lot of cynicism behind the Muppet show and yes. those Muppet characters. They are for adults that children can, can enjoy. Um, Sesame Street is for children. And so they bring the lessons that they go through to the adult themed characters. And they express that like, oh, no, we're inclusive. We bring like we don't we don't prevent something just because it won't be the best possible artistic result. We make sure that everybody feels good. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to put in this, to mix those two. Here's what we do on our show. And that's what you do on your show. And we're going to show you why each of these is okay. I just like it. I agree. So next, Miss Piggy uh, is stuck in a snowbank, and this seems absurd, and she should die. But, you know, it's a Christmas special. She'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Because she is literally stuck in a blizzard. I don't know how she found a payphone that worked. It is interesting to watch a world before cell phones. So she tries to call Kermit up. Now, this got a line in me. I sent a video of you. I actually said thank you for this. I was talking for the clip because Mm -hmm. after she calls Kermit, Kermit is feeling sad. He says he's feeling sad. Fozzie, I mean, this is classic Hollywood, right? He's like, friend, you are feeling sad. He's like, let me tell you what'll cheer you up, helping my career. Yeah. And he says, I've got got a new act for you, a talking snowman. And Kermit just says, the heck you say. And just the way he said it was so hilarious. I had to actually clip that video and send it to you. Yeah. It's like my my favorite part, as stupid as it sounds, for everything else in this show, that was my favorite part. It's great. It's an amazing gift. And it's also funny because the snowman is like, Jesus, it's cold out. Can I get in here and warm well, up? Yeah, that, Which that I, was the joke is yeah. uh, he, he goes, I'm going to go outside to get the snowman. Kermit says, it's too cold to go outside. The snowman rushes in and says, wow, it's really cold outside. Can I come inside? But I'm yeah. uh Now, it's it's uh it's very funny one of the things that um is very funny about the snowbank though is we because like one of the things is that piggy is unnaturally strong like she's such a badass 
And so it shows her pushing the car out alone. And she's like, you know, when I say go, go. And she goes to push it and you hear the wheel spinning and just she gets just like black snow just sprayed in her face from the the tire spinning and not getting traction. And like so her entire face gets covered in shit, which is really funny. I didn't notice that as much, but oh, I'll give it to you. And yeah, yeah it like running... blackens her face with all the like all the crap that's shot up from the the tires. And I'm going to have to watch that. There were a couple of things like when I read up and stuff I was like, oh, I have to watch that clip or yeah. scene again. Absolutely. So I'm going to look up for that when I'm done with this, actually. All right. So this I love. So we were talking like your mom and how she would be really inclusive if a bunch of your friends showed up uninvited, but then how she might behave afterward. Yeah. My conspiracy theory here is Fozzie's mom calls up Statler and Waldorf. So Statler and Waldorf are apparently friends with Fozzie's mom mm -hmm. and they show up to heckle Fozzie Bear. And her, her logic is she says, oh yeah, I'm friends with him. They show up every Christmas. She was going out she of town. She was supposed to she, be gone, yeah. She knows. So what happens is when her, when her son showed up and was like this, and he's like, and I'm going to put on a show later, she was like, uh-uh. Because we actually see that. The show does not go well. And it's in part because Statler and Waldorf are just like critics. And so there's maybe a bigger message there, Jeff, which is sometimes if you just listen to your critic and ignore the act that you know works, doesn't work well. Yeah. I mean... It's one of the it's 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 an interesting mix of that. Statler and Waldorf are two of my favorite uh, Muppets of all time. I have Statler and Waldorf pins on my bag facing each other. Uh, I think they're they're super funny. They're they're so great. If you've ever seen if you ever want to watch a very funny five minute clip, watch the um, Milton Berle versus Statler and Waldorf episode of the uh, opening monologue of the Muppet show. It's perfect. It's so funny. It's like some of the best comedy I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, they heckle the shit out of uh, Fozzie and the snowman. And then the snowman is like, oh, I'm dying real quick. I'm going to get out of here, uh, which is a very, uh, I, I think, a potentially a funny play on uh, I'm dying up here, which mm. is he's literally dying up there by melting. I didn't even think that hard, but yeah, definitely that's. It could it could yeah, be. I'm I not could saying see it, it I'll is. give it, it would to be you. a bit of a stretch, but yeah. All right, so then we get one of the sweeter, like I said, this can be played for horror, this can be played for comedy. Big Bird's like, hey, Chef, you want to see me? And of course, Chef is starting to follow Big Bird around with, I think, a mallet, and yeah. he's going to try it. But then Big Bird offers him some bird seed and sings him the Christmas song, and the Chef is just so touched by this that he tells Big Bird they're going to be having shredded wheat and cranberries. Now, Jeff, I did kind of look closely. I don't think it's the right kind of cranberries, which Not you are now famous like, for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was the Swedish chef is going to make his own cranberry sauce with like buttons and stuff. But it is funny because he does get that guilt because Big Bird is just so kind that uh, he starts like, <laughs> you know, at first he's like seasoning him. And then finally and he gets guilted. He feel, starts feeling guilty about the fact that like Big Bird has a soul. And uh, and after he gives him what uh, ch chocolate covered bird seed. Yeah, that's what he gives him. Yeah, that's what it says in the script too. Uh, and he gets all sad about it, and then, uh, and then so he's like, "Ah, oh, we're having a vegetarian one," which I'm sure everybody, all the Muppets, must have been stoked that they're eating the worst Christmas meal they've ever had. Well, that remains just like in Muppet universe is one of the weirdest things because, like I say, it's routine. We'll see like singing fruit, singing food. They like these things. But then you like don't see the meat. So that does leave a big question as to like what they are eating. Although I think in the Muppet Christmas Carol, they are cooking a goose. So, but 
It doesn't look like a Muppet goose, so who knows? Well, I mean, I, yeah, it's, I guess that has to do with like the two different styles of an, you know of animal. Like some some animals are, you know, talking, you know, sign signing gorillas and cats that wake us up every morning, and some are livestock that we murder so we can get protein satisfactorily. <laughs> like, well, I don't know how much I can go. Yeah, we'll go down the rabbit. Like the Muppet yeah. universe seems to take. You know, sometimes the 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 grapes on the table will be singing grapes. Other times yeah. they'll be eating grapes. Oh. Just in general alone, like I've had this conversation with people before of like, what must it be like to interact with a Muppet? Like, what is that? You know, because they exist in these when you watch a Muppet movie, but they're not everywhere. Uh, and then my friend made an excellent um, sort of comparison. He's like, well, it was sort of like like being in America and running into like a Sikh where like, you know, they exist and and they are they are they exist everywhere. But like, you don't see them very often. So when you do, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, where where it's sort of that energy behind it, where you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I right. would argue this is this is this is kind of weird. Where I would say it's a little bit weaker, but it does get the fraggles in. So good writing because Doc has left to go find Miss Piggy. He says, "You guys, you know, if charm me, I'm gonna go look for Miss Piggy. I'll be fine." And the Muppets just trust him. They let an old man go to die. You know, yeah, what they, do they let care? an old man venture out into a blizzard to his doom. Yeah, but he'll be he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And so when he's gone, Robin just shows up and says, hey, Uncle Kermit, I think I found a fraggle hole. Can we go check it out? And Kermit's like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now, again, this is like funny in universe where you can give some acceptance of it, of, you know, this giant hole that is like glowing magically. These things are very overt, including in the Fraggle Rock show. Yeah. One of the Fraggle Rock themes is supposed to be like, this is the first outro to the real world they found. There's an implication. Do the Fraggles just follow Doc around? There are so many Fraggle questions that we yeah. could have made a whole show just There's, on. There are breaking size down the theories. How big are Fraggles naturally versus how big are they in this um, special? Well, the, I mean, I think they look roughly. I mean, it's the same puppets and in the finale of the of Fraggle Rock. So I actually watched like the first episode of Fraggle Rock and the last the last episode of Fraggle Rock. He's trying to leave and wants to see him. And he like writes him a message and they come out to see him and then they convince him to stay. So they're the same size. Oh, okay. Yeah. You could maybe make an argument that maybe if it's different dimension, like yeah. that maybe they, but then the other argument you can make is just, it's the, you know, they're rats, right? And yeah, they just live underground. Now, again, many questions, Jeff. So there are two points to this part that I've noticed from a storyline for, for, or from a, from a Henson style messaging standpoint as well. One is the obvious one is we got to get the fraggles in here and fraggles are weird things that live in caves. So, they're not going to show up caroling the way Sesame Street would. Um, and the other thing are is that they are removed from society. They have their own sort of insulated society. So this is really where it comes down to respecting other people's faiths and other people during the holidays that that the holidays isn't just Christmas, that, you know, these you could use this the Fraggles as an as a sort of allegory for Jews. Uh, during December, which is that they are people that celebrate their own version of the holiday that you're celebrating right now, that they they celebrate, they give gifts. It is different, but that doesn't mean that it is wrong or better or worse. It is just different. And I, I really like that part of the messaging that they have. Yeah. So at least, at least from a theme, so this, this is where it gets rough. From a theme standpoint, it stands in but as we even noted um, when we were talking back and forth, of all the songs, I think this is the only original one. I thought the yeah. Need a Little Christmas in the beginning was an original. 
Mm-hmm. Turns out that is actually uh, Angela Lansbury saying that on Broadway in the 60s. Yeah. And, and initially I was like shocked. And then I realized how st- I almost even tweeted and I realized like if you listen to the Beauty and the Beast, her singing in that as like a yeah. six-year-old, it's amazing. And watching the video of her, like there's a, a YouTube video of her like recording that and you watch that and it's just like, it's something else. I'm like, yeah, and this isn't shocking. It's just Weird to think she's had, she had like three yeah. separate careers. That's the one where everyone found out that Jerry Orbach was Lumiere. Because they saw during, when they were recording Be Our Guest and you'd see Lumiere, like Jerry Orbach standing next to her doing the Lumiere parts. And everyone's like, wait, what? I um, guess that, yeah, was that like this? I mean, the Disney Renaissance was probably the start where you started maybe getting some more mainstream names. It wasn't always the norm. Like you didn't yes. know the names. Yeah. Like Jim Cummings, I think is his name, is like. I think uh, Winnie the Pooh and, and the stuff Pooh, yeah. does like all the voices and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, that is there. And also too, it's like, obviously Angel Lansbury is a bigger name, but you know, I mean, these were all just working actors, you know, Jerry Orbach and, and Angel Lansbury. These were TV actors that were doing a movie. Um, so now I, this is, I think this is the, this is the least enjoyable chunk of, in my opinion of, of, the the special it's cool to see the fraggles but it's a little bit like all right we're just clearly this is something that you had to shoehorn in to get this now unfortunately i get to be immature here jeff and say that that there might be a logical cohesion to this Mm -hmm. so another thing i do is i have sponsored a a kevin smith tiered podcast on the gamefully unemployed network Mm -hmm. and it actually turned out i got to meet kevin smith this last month um, oh, wow. It was really cool and got him to sign the the podcast logo. But so I, I sponsor that show, uh, went and saw Clerks 3, met Kevin Smith. They've they've been doing podcasts on it. They actually released uh, the Dogma episode of that show right before. So it was like it was like an amazing Kevin Smith day for me. In the movie Clerks, which I got a refresher on this last month because I saw Clerks 3, there is a running gag about Dante's girlfriend in the number 37. Mm-hmm. The, the, I, th- th- this is not a new joke. I've seen other people make the same observation about 37 when they're like this, this, the Fraggles, their running theme is that around this time of year, they have their own holiday where they give each other gifts. And usually they just pass on a gift that someone has had before. So there's a pebble that has been passed on 37 times. And then of course in Clerks, 37 is a fun number for a number of reasons. Yeah. There's another joke related to the same topic about passing it on. So I was watching it and just getting a chuckle relating it to Clerks, then also noting you know, Kevin Smith, I think he's like five, 10 years older than us. Really good possibility. He saw that. And at least in the back of his head, when he's writing clerks, they're related. So just saying 37 Maybe that's what it in was, clerks yeah. might've been inspired by this. I'm the, putting it out there. It's so now I'm, I, I wonder if I over, sometimes I, I wonder if I overanalyze sometimes, you know, as far I as, as never as, wonder, I just say, yes, my brain's got that, that flag, <laughs> that that flag in my brain is just set true. When I look it up, I'm like, yeah, I overanalyze. What is Moving it? Some, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. I think is like the the classic phrasing in there. But one of the things about Pass It On, the song, uh, which is one of those moments where, you know, it is structurally from a from a, a, a tonal perspective, it sounds much more similar to um, more of the up-tempo celebratory Jewish songs like a Havana Gila, where it has that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And it's very fraggly, but it's very different than what you would think of as a Christmas carol or or a Christmas song. It doesn't have that energy to it. Um, and again, Fraggle Rock had its own, you know, down in Fraggle Rock. Like it has its music. Obviously, I'm a fan. I have a Fraggle Rock <laughs> shirt on there. Um, but I think it's interesting and in that they brought this song that is 
very discordant with the other music throughout this whole episode because they're fraggles and because they're different they're not in this they're not in that pocket of society that we're seeing for the from the Sesame Street and Muppets crew so that the even their music is going to sound a little bit different which i found again very that's the part i like about it i don't particularly love pass it on as a song but i do love how different it is from the rest of the music when i was talking about you and dave discussing the guardians of the galaxy christmas special mm -hmm. it was listening to two engineers and what you kind of hit here is you know an edge piece in a design where essentially you're going all of what you're saying you want the song to have a theme that thematically works. Mm -hmm. You want it to be in character with the Fraggles. They have their own music style. I found out, so there is an amazing, they changed the name on us, Jeff, but it's Secret Galaxy right now. Was toy, yeah, it used to it be, used toy to be called Toy Galaxy with Dan Larson. And then they recently rebranded re as uh, Secret Galaxy. Uh, I don't know why, I'm guessing, because they cover a lot of non-toy related things that they might want to change that brand. So anyway, so yeah, so Secret Galaxy, fantastic episode on Fraggle Rock. I'm starting to claim we're magic because we did Mega Man 2 and like the week before we did Mega Man 2. The speed run, an, right? An episode on speed runs dropped a week before we do, uh, you know, the Muppet Christmas special, Fraggle Rock drops, just just absolutely perfect. So anyway, on that, the 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 songs for Fraggle Rock, like the people that did it, it turns out he mentions in that they just had a tune that the, the Henson company liked and they didn't even audition. But so the Fraggle Rocks have a very distinct theme and tune and music that is that is in the core of the show, meaning it's it's not just yeah. like this would be out of tune for the characters. It's going, we went out of our way to give them. So it's, you, you've hit, we want the Fraggles to have a specific tune. We want the characters in universe to have a specific way. They're not, you know, they're not Christian. They don't, they don't worship Muppet Christ. We don't know what the deal with yeah. them is. They'd be a little outside, all, all of this stuff. It wouldn't sound like a traditional music song. And so it narratively fits in, so you forgive it, but then you also go, hey, it just, it just you know, you, you basically got a really strong set list of classic yeah. Christmas songs, and this is just out of, out of it a little bit. It, it is out of it. it and it's also, it's... Pass it on. And it's... It's kitschy. It's for kids. So I get that. I, I get that. It's just not particularly strong. It has that sort of like, it sounds like the kind of music you'd hear when somebody's trying to sell their steel drum CD outside of the mall and they're playing their music. Like that's kind of the, the way it sounds. Uh, it is, it's just a very interesting, but the point about the song, like the lesson is, because remember too, that the Fraggles are socialists. Um, that that's kind of their whole point is that they live in this sort of interesting utopia. You know, they don't really understand, you know, this concept like the doozers, you know, when you look at Fraggle or Fraggle Rock and you know what the doozers are. And these They're are like constantly built. building, you know, these small little things that are constantly building these structures and the Fraggles eat them um, so that the doozers have to keep building, which is a very interesting treatise on Americans and humanity in the world, which is because we need to keep people employed, we keep creating need for manufacturing and building and stuff. So like, that's why every time I drive in LA, I never really thought about the doozers that much until I moved to LA. And you see all of the construction that's happening everywhere. And you're just like, oh, we're the doozers. Like, <laughs> this is what the doozers do. They, they build and they build and they build. Like, that's their whole thing. 
and then I what was what was funny about Fraggle Rock because I did watch a little just to get reacquainted before this is it was very Manchurian Candidate, and that I was like I, I it wasn't one of the shows I watched. I think the easy answer is it was HBO. So I think yeah. I think by the time I was this age, the Muppet Show re, was rerunning in syndicate. Like by the time I was old enough to watch the Muppets, they were done. The show only lasted five seasons, but it would play in syndication in the morning before I'd go to school. So I'd see that, and then of course every kid grew up with Sesame Street, the Fraggle Rock. I don't think I ever saw because it, it was actually like on HBO around that time for me, and I didn't have HBO. I think it ended up getting syndicated. It probably. But I remember seeing like, it in syndication because I never had HBO too. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just I didn't catch it, so it wasn't a show that I liked a ton of. I did they did do a cartoon of them eventually, which I did like. I have some books at home still. I think of of Fraggle Rock, but I I remember this like I started watching. I was like I don't remember anything about the show, and then when the theme song started going up, it sounds a little bit like uh, Ducktales to start. But once it gets going, I was like, oh, I know this entire song. Apparently, that's just in my brain. That's a that is a wild thing to deal with at our age at this point. To just like, oh yeah, this this cartoon or theme song from this cart um, from commercial in the 80s i just have the entire thing memorized yeah yeah and it's it, it's again it, it I, i'm with you on that i I think i still have some of the mcdonald's happy meal toys where the fraggles were driving in little vegetables their little uh their little uh you know like one of them's in an eggplant one of them's in a carrot and they're, they're little cars that they would ride around in it was really fun so the point of oh, that is that awesome. they are giving back and forth this pebble. Uh, they're they're sort of sharing it, and then they give it to Robin, uh, and that really means a lot to him. Which later on we'll see that Robin is going to then regift it to Grover. Um, so it goes from Fraggles to Muppets to Sesame Street. Oh yes, I didn't I didn't catch that. I mean, it makes complete logic and coherent sense. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, the Muppets and Sesame Street have destroyed the Fraggle economy, but it's very sweet for for the end of the. Uh, Henson cinematic universe. Well, the, it's the gift economy because there is no. It's funny because what the gift is is it's something natural that you would find because the Fraggles don't have an economy. Like they are, they again they they are like they're socialists. They're they they exist in in this utopian existence where they don't they don't have to work these jobs that they they. It's a very like sort of like Star Trek the Next Generation energy behind it where it's like with the with the same bit of logic where you know there are occasional episodes that are themed around entirely if they have a job I remember episode two or three is something like the lead fraggle I don't know their names that well go but she's putting on a show and she doesn't want anybody's like everybody's offering to help and she's doing everything and yeah you know very classic but Regardless, I mean, um, I'm I'm okay with the Fraggles there. I think I got everything I wanted in. We can we're all, we're nearing the end at least of the synopsis, Jeff. So then Kermit and Robin get back. Miss Piggy has arrived, and apparently she was ready for everything with Doc. She had a suit. She had a Mountie suit wearing. I, I didn't realize it was like a, a Russian. Suit, but that, it, it, it looks Russian. A... It says Mountie here, but I thought it was like more of a Russian Cossack. Hat. Yeah, because he has, he has like the the sort of like I don't know what the name of the hat is called, but like the the Russian like sable hat. Yeah, there was a Seinfeld episode where like George buys a real one and loses yeah. it. So there's that. And she has a there's a dog sled. They sing home for the holidays, everybody. And then she comes in and slips. Yeah. Classic slips on the icy patch. Yeah. Um, everybody, this is where everyone comes in. And uh it's very, very fun. Uh, including uh the you know, the fraggles are there and they even show uh Uncle Traveling Matt. Yeah, I did when I watched this the first time, I hadn't caught up like if this makes me i watched this and then i like watched some of the fraggle rock and then i read this and was like oh 
So the premise of the Fraggle Rock show is there, like one of the Fraggles is is exploring in the real world. The rest are on Fraggle Rock, like they send, um, Traveling Matt is his name, right? Sends postcards back to Fraggle Rock regularly. And then there's also an interesting thing where there's internationalization. So Doc is played by different characters. I don't think they, they didn't go through the rigor role for this, right? There's not like no, a French version of this. No, just an American special, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway... That's how Fraggle Rock goes. And so there is a Fraggle out in the real world going around, and there are a bunch of Fraggles that are hearing about it. The end of the show actually is Doc standing right next to Traveling Matt, who is a Fraggle, so it's yeah. a little amusing that he doesn't notice. But I think in, in show universe, he knew at that point. But it kind of, again, when he starts the show, he says to Sprocket, is this like the Fraggles? In real world timeline, I think he'd met the Fraggles on the show in the finale, but who knows? Yeah. So um, and this is sort of where we get all these characters get to have their last, you know, minutes, Oscar, their last moments. Oscar isn't singing. Um, he He's not really going to that like Beaker. There's a moment where Bunsen and Beaker sing and Beaker does the classic meh, 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 kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, boy, yeah, my vo- my boy, my throat didn't really want to get that high pitch out there. Um, and then, you know, we they're, they're all singing Kermit then gives uh piggy the gift right the mink yep that's what happens so that she's happy to see him he goes i got you a gift i got yeah we already talked this a bit but that's what this at this point he gives the mink the the, the take by the way we're, we're repeating some of the stuff we said but you know kermit dressed as a let me try and get this right a riverboat blackjack dealer casino he, dealer yeah yeah he's, he's he looks like he he looks like he works at mcdowell's like he's wearing that um that sort of he's wearing like a vest that's sort of um it's not a tartan but it's like a flannel looking vest I, I forget what the name of the actual pattern is but it's it's a red and green checkered he looks like a riverboat casino dealer but it felt perfect because this feels like a case where you're told you have to dress up for something and like that's yeah. all you got in the closet so that, that seems perfect yeah or that's just what how people dress in the 80s 80s were a weird dressing time. up yeah so they've got a really long medley that I think, yeah, it's it's listed on the, I mean, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. As you mentioned, a lot of very Christian-based ones like uh Good King Wenseless. Uh let's see, what's the other one that I know? Yeah. Um they I heard the bells on Christmas Day, right? Yeah. Uh there yeah, there's a lot. There there's a a, a lot of the a, a lot of the obviously it's Christian it, Christmas and like as much as I'm not a Christian like I recognize it as a Christian holiday you like, mentioned you mentioned that in one of your tweets recently where you said you know you love Christmas music and then also just have to accept how much of it that's like that South Park episode like all yeah. the Cartman just turning many things that like all these songs are about Christ but are they it's like yeah so yeah like idea. I think it's like I really have to reconcile the amount of times I hate music about Jesus and how much I love Christmas songs um which is one of those things. Yeah. And then, um, and then we get, you know, Robin gives the pebble to Grover and doc shows up with a third costume change. He's, 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 he's Santa Claus. It's fine. I mean, and that this yeah. tracks because when Miss Piggy shows up and he's dressed, he goes, Miss Piggy found me. She had, you know, the dog sled, she had this costume for me and everybody's like, Oh yeah, it makes sense. We're, we're not going to think about that. We just sent you to your death. We're just going to say, Oh yeah, it makes sense that the, pig puppet in the middle of the forest was going to have clothes and a ride yeah. warm enough for you. We're good. It would make sense that Piggy probably had a Santa Claus costume ready to go. She had just gone Christmas shopping and said, here, put this on now and come in. Yeah. And we've seen that like 
Doc is fully drinking the Kool-Aid by this point. Mike. Oh, he is that, in. He's he's I'm surprised if he's not trying to bang Camilla after this oh point in time. He's Jeff, just all in it. I'm the one who went there with 37 first, but you took it there. You almost made it through. Once <laughs> once you opened it through, I was gonna I was gonna get there with you. Um and he's like, Oh, you know, he's got all these presents and he gives out nine presents to 45 people. Uh, which is, you know, it's didn't bring enough for everyone, but that's fine. Uh, and then we again, get, I'm, I'm putting in universe. This is Piggy. She she went last minute shopping. It's what yeah. she got. So yeah, they all got they all got. We blame Piggy. He's slippers, just he's yeah. just playing a, he's just playing a role. And yeah, again, that there is actually an arc to Doc's character of not being of of just wanting to have a quiet Christmas alone on his own, being annoyed by these people, not liking. Right early, Gonzo says like I said, you'd learn to love us. He said I didn't say that because he calls them cute as Muppet babies. To the end where he's just like I really you know I will die for you. I will die for Piggy. I will <laughs> die for a pig I have never met. So that's like Doc by the I end. I will die for this in. mystery pig, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and then uh, we see what I think is probably, you know, retroactively the most emotional part of this whole thing where we see Jim Henson and Sprocket from the kitchen doors looking in at everybody having a good time. He's like, ah, you know, I you love to see it. And then Sprocket's like, woof, woof, woof. and he's like, all right, well, these dishes aren't going to take care of themselves. I'll wash, you'll dry. And then that's and I, good. Oh, and I was going to say, and then another part of this that was really fascinating is there were like talk show, at least at least one talk show preparation for this coming out because all three oh, of yeah, these projects like were big, like an extra or, or like one of those things, Entertainment big, Tonight, I think. And it was definitely funny because it had the class. This was a very classic thing. Is like the Muppets and Sesame Street are kayfabe, the wrestling. Yeah. And I, 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 it's a bummer because he's a terrible person. But one of the first people I heard talk about it was Max Landis, noting that the modern professional wrestling scene is the Muppet show because the Muppet show is a show about a show where we're worried about the interaction between the characters on the show. So yes, they're yes. We're worried about, you know, the big performance that's going to happen at the end or whatever, but the real show that we are fed most of is this behind the scenes drama. Mm -hmm. And then of course, outside of the universe, they at least for a long time, play it straight, pretend everything, you know, pretend what they're doing is real. So you've got interviews with, say, Kermit the Frog talking about Jim Henson and saying, oh, yeah, it was nice that he's here. He's not really an actor. Ha ha ha. And, you know, the person is interviewing Kermit the Frog. And I've heard they're very, you know, Berbiglia, Mike Berbiglia, who's talking about like opening for the Muppets and others have talked at like how weird it is that you've got a puppeteer, a puppeteer there with a thing. And they're like, you're going to talk. I'm going to I'm going to blow your mind. OK, what do you got? I've interviewed a Muppet before. Oh yeah, yeah, this was um with the uh, the Ricky Gervais movie, right? Yeah. Which one? I, which I, one did I, you interview? I interviewed Constantine, the world's most dangerous frog, the antagonist of the whole movie. I forget this. I I have not seen the movie at all, so you're you're gonna have to. The Kermit you're clone. Gonna have, you're gonna he's have the to. Evil, he's the evil Kermit. Um, but so you're gonna have to spoil the because you're gonna have to spoil a lot of universes in in on themselves. Okay, okay. so in the, that Muppet movie. Constantine is looks like Kermit and replaces him, right? Like he's yeah. a famous jewel thief. Kermit's Kermit. At one point, he switches place with Kermit to get. And this is like a classic. I think uh, the Flintstones did a similar. Yeah. It's a it's a common trope. A common trope of switching somebody out, yeah, putting Kermit normal. in in because he was in jail. He was in like yeah. a, a like a Soviet jail basically, um, and they switch it, and so Kermit gets put in that jail, uh, and Constantine ends up going on like a European crime wave. So is Constantine being acted by Kermit in a movie in that universe, or are they no. two? So like you, so like, cause I was going to say, I would be funny is if you were interviewing Constantine who was being played by Kermit. So if you were playing Kermit in character of Constantine, which you kind of are, 
So, but so you're what I he's did his is, own character. Yeah, he's his own character. And I interviewed, so I interviewed, so like I walked into, it, it was at the, um, the Beverly Hilton. So you walk into this room and you first see like some publicists there and they're like, hi. And then you go and you see the Muppeteer and he's there and his like, the hand is down. So like the Muppet looks asleep. Like it looks like the Muppet is sitting down and asleep. And so like they do this really interesting trick where they trick you into like you're meeting the puppeteer. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Matt. Or I, I forget what his name is. I feel really bad. Uh, and we were talking. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation, he wakes the Muppet up. So like you're talking and like the hand is down. And so you you, you see it's like, you know, it looks like he's asleep. And then all of a sudden the head starts up. Oh, hello. It is me, Constantine. I am awake now. And like it, the trick is that it naturally causes you to interact with the hand. And every once so in a you, while, so you talk to the hand, not yes, the face. You talk to the hand, and then every once in a while, you sort of wake up from the matrix a little bit, and you like look up at the Muppeteer, and you're like, "This is really fucking weird, right?" Uh, but then you you fall back into it. It's it's great, and and it's really fun. And that was back when I was a mommy blogger. I mean, when I think it, mommy blogging, I mean like the image of you right now. If that doesn't say mommy blog, I don't know. Oh, there were, there were a lot of people were like, who is this person and why are they here? Like they, cause I'd gone on three or four different events on these before, you know, I realized that I was going on these really fun things, but I wasn't getting paid. Uh, and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm, this is enough. Like that's slightly better than, you know, paid and exposure is the biggest myth. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's always nice when like you're paid in cool experiences, but then if you're like, yeah, I've got my fill, I'm good. I mean, I ended up getting to see captain america the winter soldier like really early and going to that press junket as a mommy blogger yeah but that huh. wasn't something i was planned to do it was just something where i i kind of said i was like hey but we can do this right because moms also have kids that are teenagers so why don't we do this too because at mm. first it was like going to you know peabody and sherman which was great and then going to you know muppets most wanted and then i was like talk to the disney guy i'm like hey if you want to do these marvel things too i'm down and they ended up getting me in for that which was fun is the uh, Constantine interview available anywhere? I, I mean, I noticed like you had like kind of a past life before kind of the unpopular network, oh, yeah. unpopular opinion network. It's it's a very popular network. Sorry. Um, but I mean, like, for instance, I know this get this turned into a real bummer with some greats in the comic industry dying. And yeah. like, it is wild that like there was a point, right? You would do interviews for a network and go around and something like, I think I found an old one with you with George Perez. So I'm definitely I did, curious yeah, when I was on that hashtag show. Yeah. So like is some of your old stuff, like old interviews, old things. I'm like, I'm, cu I'm definitely curious about like classic Jeff because beyond just randomly finding it occasionally, or you sharing like an image on your Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. So cool. like if you know. go to modernmom.com, I, I know that like my, my Muppets most wanted in, uh, review is in, it's called two for two frogs, two furious. And then, uh, so if you look up M Muppets Most Wanted, Modern Mom, you can go to the byline and you can hit my name. And then there's the Winter Soldier, uh, the interview. So yeah, it still is there. Uh, Do we have video or is it just uh, spoken? No, it's just oh, audio. Uh, or I think it's actually just written. Oh, it is audio. It's, okay, it's written because, uh, yeah. But it was great. It was a, a very fun it was a very fun experience and certainly, a, a you know, I got to meet Kermit and Piggy. So there's a picture of me. I had a big kind of a big bushy beard at the time. So I look like a real psychopath. But yeah, I was going to say, I, I actually have to bring us up. I was wondering if this would ever come up organic on the show. Like you and Mike Berbiglia are just weird. 
in the number of overlapping, just seemingly organic stories you have in your life. As mentioned, he opened for that. You have a story about bombing at a charity like function. A cancer event, yeah. He's got a, a he he has a cancer bombing oh, one. His you great, have a, his his one about what the 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 sports one too was great bombing there. Oh yeah, the uh, Hall of Fame, yeah. which is absolutely fantastic. And then of course the um, you know the uh, the guitar guy at the party. He's got a riff on that. One of your favorite jokes is your friend who threw it. It's and I mean you're from the same area. It's just, it's it's just yeah. you know he's I'm, from I'm two towns over. Out. Yeah, Berbigli is great. We're we're so different in our styles of comedy. Uh, for example, he's very successful. Um, yes. but uh, but yeah, we have we do have a lot of similar experiences. Um, I'm gonna, obviously, mine's have to interviewing ask, it for a mommy blog, and he's like, "I'm opening for the Muppets." And I'm like, "Oh, that's a much bigger thing." But I mean, you could also take for the same thing of like, if you look at the career growth trajectory, it just, I mean, you you were in a very unforgiving industry, which sucks, which is just you put in a lot of reps, and you kind of just hope for that lottery event, and occasionally it hits and it doesn't. I mean, like you mentioned, you were, you know, you started the pilot and didn't hit, and it's like, you know, as long if you've got the uh, endurance for the grind, that's it. But it is it is very frustrating for you. I would imagine. Sorry to like speak for you, but to be in an industry where it's like you put in the same level of effort and work and the success does not correlate with that. I've learned that I'm not going to most likely blow up. Uh, and even things where like I thought it would happen, which was like, you know, the 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 sci-fi channel show that I thought was going to happen. And then at the last minute, they pulled the plug or my winning run on the Netflix game show. I thought, well, that'll be good because people I talk about the shows and people will want to find, you know, even if you know, if 3 million people watch this and a half of 1%, you know, show up for that, that's still, you know, like, you know, 1500 people or something like that would be huge. Um, and then it didn't happen. I know that I'm going to essentially, I grassroots grow. Like I grow in a very sort of culty way. I have accepted that. Um, it's hard see. to accept that sometimes. We'll see, Jeff. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, you, 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 you you have to be the first person to do, you know, the TikToks or the, you know, the reels or whatever. And it just is what it is. But, but this is something that I'm really glad I got to talk about the Muppet family Christmas. I have, uh, I'm so glad for YouTube because I never had this on VHS. I had, and this is important to know, and this is maybe a good example of like, when everybody's like, why are you so Christmassy in 1986? I want to say, we record because we had a VCR at the time and I we recorded as many Christmas specials on one VHS hmm. tape as we could. Did you do so, like the the 8X or whatever? So like the quality's worse, but you get more? Yeah, yeah. So it was like you know, it started with Frosty, then the nightmare before Christmas, then the Grinch, then or excuse me, the night before Christmas. I was like, that's Christmas, that's an interesting mass. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, that's you know, yeah, vocal. Say, speed, I did the same, you know. I did the exact same thing. Yep. Um, and then it was, you know, so you would have uh, Charlie Brown and the Grinch and Rudolph was in there and Alf was there. Um, but it was a year before this had come on. So I never got this on VHS. You can't get it pure on VHS or DVD. It doesn't exist in a pure form on DVD for very interesting reasons. It's a lot of rights because they got the music rights to a lot of these songs only for television. They didn't think about home video at all. And this is classic, by the way, to throw out again to a yeah. uh, secret galaxy. When we were talking captain N there it's, 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 it's amazing. There was like Michael Jackson music on this horribly animated only on Saturday mornings. 
And it's the same thing, right? They didn't, th they didn't think, okay, well in 20 years, a bunch of nerds are going to really be willing to give us, you know, 40 bucks for the DVD set of this. They didn't get the license. And so then it's like, okay, well, if we want to release this, we have to, you know, either replace the music or do something else. I know like Scrubs has done that for instance. Yeah. So yeah, to your point, but well, the, th state this... is the biggest example of that, I think. Oh, sorry. Say again. The state, the MTV the state. sketch comedy show, hmm, um, which was like, that was with you know, Thomas Lent. So like all the Reno 911 people, basically, mm -hmm. like most of them, um, Michael Ian Black, like a lot of these like pretty well known, but you would still consider them, I guess, cult comedy people did this sketch comedy show on MTV. MTV's rules about music was the the agreement they had with these music companies is we will play your music video on our show and you will make a fortune off of it. However, we can use any songs we want in our TV shows. And it'll be like this synthesis of like, you scratch our back, we scratch yours. Let us use your music in our shows. And people are more people are going to be exposed to your music. And that these were relatively equal groups in the music industry saying, you know, developing this symbiotic relationship. But when it came time for making money off of like DVDs mm. on the state or whatever, you couldn't get them with the music that they had. It just wasn't possible. So when they re-released them, it became this thing where everyone's like, well, this isn't the same anymore. So the only way you could get it is through bootlegs. This is like, and, and it's funny because we're talking, I, I mentioned the Max Landis wrestling connection. Mm -hmm. That's another common thing is with a lot of wrestling shows, like people would like record it and send, send bootleg tapes around of famous matches. So you're, you're kind of saying the same thing here. This is like a dark match that no, if you didn't see live, you didn't get to see unless you get the tape. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get a, you know, a WWF super tape. Remember when they would release those. Um, so yeah, so you couldn't get this on DVD. Um, they, they would cut a lot of stuff. Uh, the, the original opening title was cut, uh, the, the, the sleigh ride when they sing sleigh ride together, that's cut. Um, the, uh, the, the baby singing Santa Claus is coming to town is cut. Uh, the home for the holidays is cut. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. I heard the bells on Christmas day. Like those are all, they all had to be pulled. So you're kind and you can't do that. Like you don't yeah. get a better vert, like. So when people get that, there's they're going to be let down because the cohesion of what this musical is is really decimated. When the as an example, when the snowman shows up and they bomb, and they don't really bomb, you know, Statler and Waldorf torch yeah. them. But when that happens, you don't get that. Oh, this succeeded, and Fozzie's not insane. Like, yeah, exactly yeah. that kind of point. And then ironically, we just said, oh, the the Fraggle Rock song is really there as a tentpole to just kind of hold this up, hold this the narrative up structurally. They, they basically between, you know, it's kind of the, you can be like fast, you can be cheap or you, and you can be good. Like you're allowed to pick two of the three is a, yeah. is a common. And it's kind of like that. It's like, okay, well we can have a good song. We can have, you know, we can have a good song. We can have a, a in, in network song. We can have a song that fits narratively. It's like pick one. And they were, they were willing to drop the quality of the song a little for it to fit. Yeah. That works. Yep. What'd you think? I thought, I, I mean, this was just good. That was the, the reality was this was amazing. The good news is there was, because it's the culmination of three of our, you know, nostalgic properties that we all like as a child. Four. Four, four. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. I, I count Muppet Babies and Muppets the same, but I guess they are. They're not. They're too different. Yeah. They're so different because the Muppets themselves are 
structured for adults. And that's important to remember that Muppet Babies is animated for young children and I, I Muppets will, was for adults. I will actually agree. One thing that was funny to me is when I was a kid, Gonzo was my favorite Muppet, I thought, because of Muppet Babies. Because on Muppet Babies, he is a weirdo, but he like owns it. He's basically like, I'm weird, so what? At least on the first couple seasons of The Muppet Show, he is like this tortured artist that's like, no one appreciates, no one likes me, very gothy. And I was like, I hate this guy. I was like, because the kid one, I was like, you're you're going to your own beat, but you're like, I do what I want. I was like, he that is awesome. He used to get bullied a lot, right? Like, wasn't that part of it? If I remember, like, there were, I remember scenes of him like not feeling comfortable because he, like they answered his question with Muppets from Space of like, what, what am I? And I think there was a lot of like existential crises happening with Poor Gonzo every once in a while on the adult uh, on one, Muppet maybe. Babies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. I was going to say Muppet, Muppet Babies. Baby. I thought Muppet yeah. Babies, he was a little just more of like, I do my own thing. Or, and like more of like, if you don't like it, deal. He was also he like more of that. a slight rival with Kermit for the affections of Miss Piggy as, as well. I yeah. The, instead of going, he had Camilla the doll, but then I guess maybe they were like, hey, for they're like, listen, for the adult show, we'll let that weird chicken, st which has been there since the beginning. Yeah. Let's leave the chicken fucking out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But yeah, I, I really dug it. And by the way, just one final note on like the rights thing. Another aspect of this, I, I related this to Kevin Garnett with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Kevin Garnett, famous basketball player, a really common question is why, why isn't his number retired by the Minnesota Timberwolves? Flip Saunders was his coach and was a minority owner in the team and then tragically passed. And the belief was that Kevin Garnett was probably going, you know, was going to be included as part of the team. And after Flip Saunders passed, that didn't happen. And he's kind of like, a close friend of mine died. You screwed me out of some stuff. I'm never like, I don't want to work with you is kind of his take. And the same thing, you hear some of the people Muppet related, like Frank Oz is an example. I don't know how recently, but in the past has said like, for those that don't know, Disney in the 90s was trying to acquire the Muppets. And it was a very contentious one. They eventually did. They own it now. That's the rights we're talking about. And Frank Oz is like, the Disney deal is what killed Jim Henson, because Jim Henson's health passed. Now we've kind of said there's there's some great documentaries you can watch on it. It's a fluke accident. It might have contributed. It wasn't, it probably was not the cause. Yeah. But that being said, I think there's also bad blood because it's going, Disney would have to get the agreement of Fraggle of the Fraggle Rock and Sesame Street properties. And they're like, I think they're they're fine yeah, saying no. Because no Sesame dice. Street is still owned by Henson. Because they didn't Street, buy Henson, they bought the Muppets. Yes. Um, which is important to know. A lot of people think that it was owned by that Disney bought like Henson Studios and they yep. didn't. They absolutely did not. Um, and Henson Studios worked on lots of great projects, even now that we don't even realize, like, you know, where the wild things are like those were Henson. Oh, um, man, that, that's a terrifying movie. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Spike Jones. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, but so, yeah, no, it is definitely one of those things where Muppet Family Christmas is a perfect time capsule of 1987 of of sort of that christmas energy it, it is one of the contributing factors as to why i love this holiday so much it's just it's just rad as hell it's, man it's awesome and then what i'll also throw out is like we've, we've had this discussion a lot about nostalgia of there are things you like that you're nostalgic for in your childhood and you unbox them and you look at them and you're like what the hell is this I mentioned that we're going to do that next. And I said, that happened with me with He-Man. Like I could not, I could not make it through season one. Uh, I mean, I admit it's like a long season. It's I couldn't good. make it through one season 
of He-Man. I think there's I think there's like a couple good episodes where you find out that Tila is uh, the sorceress's daughter. Yeah. I wasn't even it wasn't even worth my time to like get there. I, I have like, animation cells of that cartoon and I don't watch it. It's 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 a tough no. watch. So it's it's basically just going. But this you unboxed and I'd never seen it. So that's the key is like I watched this new and went, this is exactly as you're saying, this is exactly what I remember. This is amazing. And this like still holds up. This is still well written as kind of the, you know, you and Dave, because another Christmas special, this is Christmas special number two, when you're kind of going over the architecture of the Christmas special going, yeah, this is just really well made. It is very well made and it does a good job of not only being a well-made Christmas special, but of bringing sort of the lessons that each of these different properties bring together, which is like, you know, Muppets, their their whole thing is that we are a family and this is our chosen family, that families don't have to be related by blood to be family. And that's obviously the that's the big message, I guess, of the Muppets in general, if you want to think that the Muppets have a message, because remember, like these are all like hippies that are doing this like these are all if you look at all these guys like frank oz and uh and you know jim henson and stuff they they have really hippie energy to them so you have the family cohesion and the chosen family aspect of the muppets you have the inclusion and the sort of like the the purity of sesame street that you know everybody should be made to feel good and then you have the sort of like uh outsider and also like that socialism aspect of the fraggles that they brought in the sharing and making sure that everybody has enough and like that we only have the one pebble and we keep giving it to each other because we want to make sure that everybody gets that it's a really great synthesis of those properties coming in and obviously muppet babies has less of a sort of lesson because it's a cartoon for kids um, that was more along the lines of like, we're taking this other property and we're just shrinking it down. They even have like almost a fourth wall breaking there with, with doc is just like, ah, they're just cute. It's like, yeah. I would actually argue the Muppet baby's little thing there is one of the least makes the least sense. Yeah. Um, but it looks like for, a like, Burger King commercial for like puppet Muppet babies that they were giving away. If you bought a, a but doc just nails it. He's just like, yeah, this is good. And, it, and they didn't do too long. Like if it had yeah. been too long, you'd be like, this is kitschy too much. It's like just the right amount of Muppet babies in the middle. Perfect. They're like, we acknowledge this property and we're moving on. Um, but I do, I do really like that. And again, it sure it is my job to analyze these things. And occasionally I overanalyze and I read into things that might not be there, but I do recognize that even if it's not the case that even if they didn't overtly try to do these things, they still did it. Like they still, the flavors still mixed, whether it I was would intentional. Ar- I would or argue, nar- I would argue the narrative and the character interaction and like the, the attitudes of all the, they, they, that was very overt and very oh, sure. well done yeah. and you can see it. And so, I mean, that it, and that's, what's also great. Like talking back and forth is just like realizing even more because one of the things I don't think I thought as much about watching this the first time is, yeah, when Sesame Street and Muppets finally pair up, how you just have random, like, which characters can, and you, you get, like, five, ten seconds with some of these ki- people, and clearly well thought out and clearly yeah, well Yeah, Oscar and Rizzo would be best friends. Like, like, Rizzo is a Brooklyn rat, and Oscar is a grouch that lives in a trash can. Yeah. Like, that's... I, I want that's more. So- that's so fun like that or like animal and cookie monster are chaos and that is really fun um bert and ernie sort of having their interactions as like the sort of the 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 most i I guess like regular of the characters or whatever they're not monsters or animals they're they're muppet people i guess Mm -hmm. and like interacting with doc and and they're like you know doing the the, oh that starts with this letter and that starts with this (laughs) and they're like and then bert just goes 
that's how we do small talk. Yeah, that's like such it's a great just, line. it's a great little joke. It's it's it is great. It I, it is it is a love letter to all that all of its ingredients, which I think is is my might be why I love it so much. But it's just good. Yeah, that, that's if go you haven't seen it. it go, if you haven't yeah, seen it, watch it. I do actually want to hear. So, are you allowed to spoil? So, this is going to be at least one of four Christmas specials, as we mentioned. Yeah. Gamefully unemployed with Dave, Guardians of the Galaxy. This one now. Sorry to torture you, but I and I haven't seen it yet, Jeff. So we'll see. I'm, I'll I'll probably apologize even more. We're going to be recording in the near future the He-Man, He-Man one, Christmas yeah. special. And if you either get your friends to subscribe or subscribe if you want to hear it already. So there's that. Definitely, uh, yeah. If you want to hear us uh, talk about it, sign on to Patreon.com/slash Jeff Mania. And then the Alf Christmas special. Who are you allowed to spoil? Who that's with, or do you want to keep it a surprise? That that's going to be for an episode of We Just Watched, and it may have already been released by the time we drop this. Um, so, because spoiler alert, you know, we we record these a little bit in advance, and we have a we have a specific drop date ready for these episodes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know when that episode is going up. So if you are hearing this and we haven't released it yet, hey, we're gonna we just watched the Alf Christmas special. And uh, if not, uh, you are and you already haven't listened to it yet. Go listen to it because it was great. Yeah. If you are behind on Gamefully Unemployed, we have just given you a gift because that means there is a Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special with Jeff and an ALF Christmas special with Jeff. I mean, it's kind of funny. You're like running parallel shows against each other. You're almost you're Jim Hensoning yourself right here. Just the Jeff May May podcast of podcast universe is a wide net where I, I'll show up in a lot of different places. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I do have like the uh, the tagline, but is there anything else you want to end uh, at least this episode of Nerd On before well, I get to the next step? Well, if you if you, uh, if you you like this and you're listening to it for free, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Uh, we, we love that you listen to it. We love that you love it. And uh, we hope you keep coming back every time we do an episode. If you want to hear more from me, you're welcome to do that. Head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May, where you can hear shows like Jeff Has Cool Friends, where you get early uh, access to uncensored episodes with bonus content, as well as monthly shows like obviously access to Nerd uh, with me and Dre, but also Ugg Fine. We have a podcast with Kim Crawl. Um, more things are coming, which is real fun. Uh, I like that. We we I'm opening some tiers up uh, soon. I think I'm going to be sort of making some shifts in the new year, which is going to be very exciting. You can also hear me on Unpopular Opinion uh, and You Don't Even Like Sports, a sports podcast for people who don't like sports, both on the Unpops Network and, as mentioned before, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network, which you can hear that, as well as those we just watched. And, you know, I show up on a lot of stuff. I'm I'm Uncle Traveling Jeff when it comes to podcasting. I show up in a lot of places. So there you go. Your last episode with Matt, I I did love that at one point in the show, he said, Jesus, how many podcasts are you on? Yeah, but this is a dude. Matt said that he goes, Jesus, how many podcasts are you on? I'm like, dude, you're a stunt man, and you're a you're a musical theater person, and like, and he does all this other stuff. And I'm like, y- you do a lot of stuff too. Like, don't don't you dare challenge my work ethic. You guys are the same. The same. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, two two notes that I'll I'll definitely give. It does my heart really happy. So Jeff has done a few like pop up tears, which it, which this show is part of. And it makes me so happy that those are just going like immediately. I know, yeah. I know it's a very sparse supply, Jeff, but it makes me happy and that's awesome. So yeah, yeah I'll be, it, I'll be, it, 
it it does open up. Uh, I I know one has been uh, one was opened up uh, and and might be refilled again, but was filled for a one shot. So somebody did sign up for uh, for a one solo shot episode. I'm very excited about that one. Um, it may have been released already. We're 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 scheduling when we're gonna record it and everything like that. But that's gonna be really fun with um. I don't know if I should say his name if he you, might you, want to say jerk. It's it's, it's your I, call. I can't blow and up. I can cut it. It's I I never want to blow up any spots. But uh, Alex did want to do a, a one shot. Uh, my friend Alex, who who is on the Patreon, wanted to do a, a one shot. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, the subject is very topical for me, so I think you'll enjoy that. It's definitely going to be released before Christmas. Uh, so we have that going for us. But that being said, that tier is. If it hasn't been filled again, you might want to check. If you want for $300 a month, you can go and check. That tier might be open where I will co-host a podcast with you. Um, just tell me what what to research and I will research it, watch it, come co-host a podcast, and then the rest is up to you. And I'll even and publish I'll, it for you, yeah. I'll give the feedback of like you even overdue because I think on mine, uh, a lesson learned after like two episodes is I'd be like, here is a YouTube link. And I, I was doing it more as a footnote. Like I looked this up, here's the point I wanted for the show. Just as an FYI, here's where I got it from. And a lot of where I'd get it from would be like a YouTube video. And you were like, hey, this this YouTube video is really long. I was like, oh, you don't have to. I was like, that was literally, I was like, I grabbed one sentence for the podcast that's, you know, 30 minutes into that that video, but Jeff will do it. Jeff will do the I, research. I don't like not knowing what I'm talking about if I'm if I'm coming on it. And even if it's, I, I'm addressing, like I tried to understand this and I didn't, but I do do the research. I do do the work. Uh, it's a lot of fun doing it. I, I do love that. I do. I am humbled that people want to do these episodes with me. Um, it, it really is sort of that. So uh, the November, uh, somebody did sort of take over in November and get that, but there will be an opening in December. I think if it hasn't been taken already um, where we can do just a one shot if you want, or if you want to get like a long-term, Thing. I'm really, I'm really hoping it's gone because like uh, where I first started seeing this and why I even jumped on on it immediately was gamefully unemployed. Is there was a brief period of time with um, see again I can't do it right Dave and Tom. Yeah. There we go. Where they would announce it, they would say plug and say, hey, by the way, you know, we just watched opened up or make your own podcast just opened up. Those days are gone. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell this to you if you, if you want to get a we just watched um, on the gamefully unemployed network of either variety, small or large. You've got to just camp the Patreon at the end of the month and see if someone drops it. So and I'll then, do you're, that. You're I'll almost just call there too. It, I just watched and I'll be like, it's not the same thing. It says I instead of we. They will, I think they will gladly take your money. <laughs> They're like, we were gonna have you on as a guest, Jeff. Um, oh no, I mean will, I'll we'll, I'll create a tier where I'll do that show. I'll be like, but, if you want, if you want me to do what we just watched, but it's called I just watched, I'll do it. No, I don't even think I, I would be interested to see. I don't even know if they would necessarily have a problem with that, but that would be interesting. They wouldn't care. No other care. other note, by the way, it's funny you brought this up. So the original version of this show was um, Shut Up Nerd. And then we changed the name because it, that name was taken. And you even said you like nerd and you you started expanding that subject of different types of nerds, types of nerds you are. And that's been a running theme. And I've really been enjoying it. The UG Fine, we have a podcast with Kim. I would make the argument. So when you were plugging that uh, this month, you just said Ugg Fine, and then you know Kim filled out the the rest of the name. I actually like it better as Ugg Fine because that's the dynamic between. So Ugg Fine, we have a podcast goes with the theme that you two were bullied into doing a podcast. I know it's a joke, it's funny, but Ugg Fine really does sum up the energy of you two talking to each other. So I'll throw that out. I think Ugg Fine as a name for that show is actually better than Ugg Fine. We have a podcast. I know she likes the whole name. I like it just as Ugg Fine, but uh, yeah, and Kim Crawl is a delight, and I, I love doing that show with her. 
And uh, I just want to keep be able keep being able to do this. So the more people that sign up, the more shit I can do. Uh, as, 100%. As, as much of a telethon as it sounds for me to say that, like, I love doing it. This is I don't need to be rich. I just need to pay my bills. Well, and I'm not going to lie. Part of this tier for me, I'm well aware that we have a thesis topic, but a running theme on these shows has been me fanboying out. I've been as many of your listeners. I've been fans, a fan of yours for years. And so when it is like talking to you, it, it gets very funny where it's like, I want to talk pop culture. And then as we saw with, say, the Constantine, that's going to bridge over to other stuff you've done, which is going to be other stories. So yeah. I'm, I, I like that part of the show. And if the, if the listeners don't, I don't care. I'm getting what I want, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, this is your podcast, right? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what they like. Like, this is just for you. You get to decide if you want to share it with them. Yeah, which is very, that, that is, I know the Gameplay Unemployed did that where they have a tier that like, we don't have to share. And I think there are a few podcasts they've released that are like, you know, just, just for yeah. one listener, which is which weird to me, but, uh, you know, you do you, uh, I'll finish off Jeff. So you can find me, uh, on Twitter. If that's still around as nerd numbers, uh, bi-weekly, I do the box score geeks podcast with Brian Foster. And then on the off Tuesdays with my friend Landon, that is twitch.tv forward slash Rickster GT. Uh, we stream video games against each other. The last couple of weeks have been, uh, him playing Metroid me playing punch out um i oh. still have yet to beat mike tyson on stream my argument is the switch controls and the emulator controls are different enough that my timing is all screwed <laughs> up jeff i'll i can spoil it on this show because in theory it's not going to be out i'm going to try and study metroid really really hard and shock him and beat him at it so he's been playing it for multiple weeks he doesn't know how to beat it he hasn't memorized it he does a jeff may he does a breath first search through the entire maze. Mm -hmm. In theory, you can beat Metroid in under an hour if you know what you're doing. Yeah. So by the time I play him next time, I'm going to try and study Metroid and beat it in under an hour as kind of a shock. So that we'll is, see if I succeed. That, I don't know how you do it, man. Good for you. <laughs> there are YouTube. I mean, that's one of the more easy ones. There are YouTube tutorials of people playing it. So that's one of the cases where there's a 47 minute video of someone doing it that you can just watch. And as long as it's not too dexterous, you can you can just do it. Man, no, no, that's so much fun. Jeff I is just shaking his. Jeff, Jeff is. He said it's 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 the like you know it's the disappointed parent. You're like, yeah, no, I'm proud. No, no, and no, no I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I'm just like, it is funny. Like I, I I'm like, man, like because you, you know the way you budget your time must be very efficient. And uh, I, I think that's really I find it mm -hmm. very interesting because I try to budget my time efficiently. It's actually one of the reasons that I don't really play video games, um, because I like them too much that they will wreck my life. Well, I will, I will say this different of lifestyles. Like I've got a kid. And so a lot of your free time is after hours where you're locked in the house, basically. Yeah. yeah that's so, fair. I mean, that's the difference is there is the, Hey, there was a time I used to like go out and do stuff and I don't really do that anymore, but it's like, okay, between the hours of 10 and one, 10 PM and 1 AM, is there stuff I can do? And it's like, yeah, it turns out you can play video games in that time or listen to podcasts, et cetera. Yeah. That's All right. Fair. Well, we, we are off the beaten path. If you are not subscribed to Jeff May on Patreon, please do it. Because I would love to release He-Man. I would love to release that evil onto the universe. Onto everybody. Let us yeah. do that. So yeah. anyway, there's that. Right. Well, thanks, nerds. And uh, we'll be back. Uh, for those of you on the Patreon, if we never hit that tier, we'll see you real soon um, uh, for for other, other exciting things. Uh, and then uh, if not, we'll see you next month. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. Next week on Nerd, for Patreon subscribers, we talk another Christmas special mashup. He-Man and She-Ra were two of the hottest IPs in the 1980s and put up a Christmas special two years before the Muppets. We'll be talking He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special. Will the hosts uncover another hidden gem? 
Probably not, but tune in for fun Christmas time anyway. We'll see you then.